Kyle Dunbar. Jesse Smith. <laughs> Hold up. Doing, Hold up. I got something important <clears throat> real quick. All right. Uh, indulge me if you will. Um, man, I'm already messing it up. This is supposed to be a theme, and it didn't sound musical at all. <laughs> hey, Jesse told me I needed a theme for my show. So I got this theme now. Nah, it's still not working. All right, I tried. Back to the what, drum. You don't board. have any music yet? I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm still, still no praise and worship section, brother. Dude, Joe Rogan had it last time I was on his show. Did he? Yeah. And I'm trying to keep up with him. It's just <laughs> tough. You know, he has all them sponsorships and money coming in from meat corporations or something. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody's paying them. Thank you for showing up, Jesse. You know, it's free shit. <laughs> you didn't get paid shit. last time, did you? <laughs> nope. That was a checks in the mail kind of situation. But I'm like way more famous now, dude. I know. Fuck. I was hoping. See, I didn't know, but nobody negotiated. So I'm just, you know, it's like um having sex with a hooker. You know, if you don't negotiate up front, you just start trying shit. That's true. That's true. That's, that's exactly the analogy that I would have used. <laughs> I like it. I like it that you just went in for that, too. He's <laughs> like, yes, you're absolutely right, Kyle. Now that I visit my mind in the red districts that I've been to, Amsterdam, <laughs> Brazil, then I got to say, yep, you're right. I, I, I do recognize that. Let's get in some Bored Ape shit. Okay, let's talk have about it. Have you seen it. the Let's... lawsuit? Rip, Rips versus Bored Apes, Yuga Labs. I haven't paid much attention to that lawsuit, but I, I am aware of it. Okay, right on. Have you ever looked at the board, <clears throat> the board apes as people are, some people, mostly as Rips guy, are portraying them to be uh, racist? Oh yeah, I did. I definitely saw that, um, and I did. I do remember hearing something else. I mean, I'm, I'm very vaguely. I, I try not to get into that stuff, to be honest, because um, it really mm -hmm. doesn't. I don't own a board ape and I don't really, it doesn't affect me at all. So I just kind of stay out of it. I feel like there's so much like clickbait out there right now and just getting people to respond to this, that or whatever. And I, I just don't even really want to get involved in it. So, but yes, I am aware of that, that what's going on. And uh, I did hear something that said <clears throat> that that was completely fabricated and it was all bullshit. And essentially yes. they, what I heard of what I what I heard that made a lot of sense to me, and I don't even know where I heard it from. So it could be one of those, you know, kitty litter box things that we we're talking about. <laughs> right. But, uh, but what I heard that made a lot of sense to me was that prior to Board Ape Yacht Club, um, they actually had another project, and within that project, they did uh, you know the the kamikaze like uh, bandana, the one with like, okay the Japanese sunrise on it or something like that. Yeah. You know, come out? Yeah, I am. I'm familiar. Yeah. So apparently they had one of those headbands on their prior NFT before board Ape Yacht club. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the community got upset about it and, you know, we're, we're saying that it was racist or whatever. And they immediately like redid the whole project, uh, you know, around, you know, trying to make their community happy and not offend them. Not so the be racist. Were, right. So the fact mm -hmm. that they're willing to do that prior to dropping Board Eight Yacht Club, you know, makes me believe that that's it's just a stretch. I mean, I, right. it, it seems like a stretch. I think that you could almost make anything, you know, or any racist out to be racist or a bad person or whatever if you put together the right, you know, 
the right seek and you shall find if that's what you're looking for you'll you'll find evidence that supports your perception for sure yeah i mean you know i I think that we could probably make everybody in this world look bad if we had enough information or we decided that we actually wanted to do it so you know that's don't look at me that's what i'm saying (laughs) that's my very vague perspective on this like i said i don't know a ton about it but you know i I, I don't believe much of what I see or hear on the internet these days. Just simply, I mean, I didn't believe it to begin with, but now that you see what this AI shit's doing, it's like we might as well just start getting our brains to realize that everything on the internet in the future is going to be fake. Fake. Yeah. And so <laughs> we need to just get in our headspace right now that if you see it on the internet, it's not real. You know what I Man, mean? That's too slow with my jinx. Life. What's that? I was too slow with my jinx. Why is that what both you said? said? When we both said fake at the same time. Oh yes, yes. I follow though. Yeah, it's it's um you gotta cipher through this shit. My son, um, I was talking to him about board eight sometime after we got off uh talking about the last time I had John. I was talking about NFTs at least, and he pointed me to a video that I watched, and I was like, Yep, there's a lot of possible dog whistles there of some racist ass shit. Who are you um, talking to? My son, he just made oh, me watch okay. a video and it was basically oh, yeah. this Rips guy. This Rips guy then went and mm-hmm. uh, under some what he believes to be a First Amendment protection, he pretty much copied them, uh, their board apes, and then began selling them as commentary uh, about the board ape yacht club being supposedly a racist um, or uh, I don't know, racist, whatever. It's not like it's a group they're doing anything, right? But so and I'm just excited to see that it's in the court because the way I generally feel about it is not that I'm like inherently I trust the court system, but through the court system, there will be documented cases of people arguing it out. And then I, I can have a better understanding about something that really doesn't matter for my life at all. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, it doesn't know, change my day one bit. The other thing too, I don't know how you are, but man, I almost feel like every documentary I see, I walk away and I'm like, damn, they got a point. And, mm-hmm. and they'll be like conflicting. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you ever watch like, uh, was it Forks Over Knives? The one that was yes. a vegan one. Yeah, you know, I was vegetarian like, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, I went vegan <laughs> for six months. I mean, you know, and I'm all, I'm, I'm a guy who likes to play with my diet and just kind of see how mm-hmm. but after watching that documentary, I was like, shit, I got lots of good points. And then you, I did a vegan diet uh, for six months and didn't really notice any substantial changes or anything like that. Um, but then you watch something like, I, I can't remember what it was, but there was another one. It was like keto and how it cures autism and, and epilepsy. Okay. And, and it's like, by the end of that one, I was like, oh shit, I need to go keto. It's like, <laughs> I pretty I, either I'm just really gullible or these people are really good at, at creating a scenario yeah. or creating a, a show or a documentary that, that fully convinces you of their side. And, you know, you and I should be fully aware of that. We were on TV and we saw what actually happened and we saw what the show wanted people to think was happening. And, and in the end, the, the show won, you know what I mean? Like, I, there's right. multiple times where people came up to me and were saying this, that, or whatever. And I was like, you know, that's, that is definitely what it looked like on TV, but I assure you that's not <laughs> what was happening in real life. You watched all your episodes then. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and you noticed that those things stood out to you, obviously, when you're like, well, that's almost completely made up. Yeah, I mean, just even little things like, you know, when, I don't know, we'll just say a certain contestant would get kicked off and then they would show you laughing out loud. <laughs> you know, <it's> like <laughs> nobody's laughing when someone gets kicked off, you know? Right. Yeah. That's one of the little things. Were there bigger things then too? No, you know, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was like anything crazy, um, but you know, the, the whole one trick pony thing, like, I feel like, and I, you know, I don't mind it because obviously that's what I enjoy doing. And, and that show really kind of helped um, kind of like cement that whole thing. But uh, you know, I noticed by episode two, the flash challenge from episode two, they were all already calling me a one trick pony and I had only done one tattoo. <laughs> you know, like so in no in looking back, I'm like, okay, well, it seems to me like they probably had that all kind of like pre uh thought out before I even right. got the show. Like we're gonna this guy we're gonna make an example out of and, and show the world that you can't get through Ink Master by doing one style. Well let's let's imagine how this works completely fictitiously for a minute. But let's imagine the conspiracy against the, the is there. I'm not saying against necessarily, but the, they are trying to create a story. Stories need conflict. What story conflict do we have for Jesse? Hmm. I feel yeah. like we could say he's a one trick pony. Well, you know, I like it, but now let's get it into because obviously the producer, they can't come out and say, Jesse, you're a one trick pony. Everybody comment. But they can go to you. Do you think somebody got somebody off to the side and said, do you think that Jesse's a one trick pony and said it enough times that it got repeated? How do you figure it found its way there in, into, you know, do you think that it was more natural? And one of the contestants were like, yeah, that's my go-to motherfuckers. A one trick pony. Well, the first person that said it uh, was Oliver. So I, you know, okay. I assume that obvious then yeah, <laughs> that there is I, some control. And did you notice, I don't know if you noticed this, but the judges would start using these specific words. They would use like, I don't know if they did it on your season, but they used potato a lot on our season, like hmm. the potatoes. So they would call all the, all the people who weren't as good as the others potatoes. Right. And, and you just notice that people start using that same, uh, you know, nomenclature or vernacular, I don't right. know which word both. Yeah. Both of them, but they start reiterating that and they start saying it. And sometimes it'll start off as a joke and then it turns into, I mean, look at, um, St. Mark, you know, uh, the tech <laughs> God, it's like, he just said it about himself and now everybody calls him that they may not believe it. The people, most of the people that are saying, right. It, but they're, they're doing it tongue in cheek, but they say it. Right. And then when you, when you say the tattoo God, people will remember the tattoo God before they remember St. Mark. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, we had the same thing when I was in the military. Uh, I remember, you know, you get in there and they do this thing. They go, Hua. have you ever heard that? You're like, Hua. Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, a, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's the son of woman, right? Al Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was like, I always thought it was so stupid that they, I was like, when I heard it, I was like, that is so dumb. <laughs> and so me and my friends would just joke about it and we would just say it to each other. And by the end of basic training, we were saying it like it was normal words, you know? And so I don't know. I think that, I think that's kind of what happens. Uh, well, I, I know for sure that's what happens with. Uh, uh, well, we're all kind of sheep um, and, and happily so in many cases, you yeah. know, I, it gets to be nowadays a cut down, but 
I don't think there's a commercial out there that isn't trying to make you a sheep. And if you buy anything that has a commercial, there's a good chance there's a level of sheep that you are, you know, like well, if, you, if, right? if I can say, ba -da -ba -ba -ba, and your sheep ass mind knows exactly what the fuck I'm talking about, then bad, you know? Yeah. I mean, but that's marketing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. when you're trying to market to a, a demographic, you are trying to, you know, make things sound as best as you possibly can and, and create the, the most interest in it or whatever. And uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't particularly hate on anybody for trying to do that. I mean, I don't, you know, I think the, no, thing is that, we like, do the same thing in our conversations, right? When, right? when we try to paint a better light possibly on, on something, or certainly when I embellish a story about going to the doctor to have an annual physical or something, and I'm going to try and make this shit as funny as possible. We're going to take some leeway with the truth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And I think that's another thing about the show uh, that, you know, I walked away with not the first time, the first time I was a little bitter. Um, but the second mm -hmm. time I went on there, it's like, I just had a different understanding and a different thought process behind it. And I realized that tattooing was a very small percentage of the show, you know, and, and being an artist and how good of an artist we are was a very small percentage of the show. And I think that's understandable. I mean, the fact of the matter is they've got millions of dollars invested in this program the last thing they want to do is have a bunch of people on there, like literally competing tattoo wise. Cause that's just boring. <laughs> you know, it's like walk, walk around a tattoo convention. How long can you walk around a tattoo convention before you're bored out of your right. mind? So each yeah. person has to have a personality. There has to be conflict there. And you know, some people create more conflict than others. And if you're creating a show where, you know, you're trying to make money, the last thing you want to do is kick off one of the people who are making the most conflict and leave on someone who maybe isn't making as much conflict. I've seen that. I think, I think uh, the whole viewing audience begins to, especially after the many iterations of Ink Master, they begin to recognize that. Yeah. And I think some of them don't mind it and some of them actually like it. And then I think there's a percentage that really despise it and almost watch if they do anymore they watch begrudgingly with nothing more to do or like and you know i mean they they kind of like man remember when it was more like all the bests and they was competing it wasn't so much drama yeah right <laughs> yeah i mean you know everybody says that to me they're like oh, i don't like it i just remember but i'm like man i remember when jersey shore came out mm -hmm. i think it was probably i don't know how many seasons there were but I remember there was a shit ton of seasons and I kept hearing yeah. everybody talk about it. And I was like, that show looks so stupid. And then as soon as fucking Schnooky got punched in the face, I was like, I went straight to YouTube and I was like, I want to see this shit. And <laughs> next thing you know, I'm like knowing who all the characters are and who's dating mm -hmm. who. And I'm like, what the hell just happened here? Well, okay. the situation originally tried to hook up with Jenny before she got with, actually, I can't remember the other guy's name. <laughs> yeah. Polly or Mike or. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I don't really remember that much about mm -hmm. it, but I do remember that it hooked me in, you know? And yeah. it's like, when you think about it, like when people are upset, they don't, they go online and they're like, oh man, Kyle just got in a fight with so-and-so. And everybody's like, oh shit, we got to go watch that. You know, whereas if, what are they going to say? Oh, Kyle just won tattoo of the day. And people are like, who gives a fuck? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. they want to they see Kyle fight 
fight, uh, you know, some somebody else. I do. I, I kind of feel, I mean, there was a part of me that felt that the night before because with all the hopelessness and despair I was feeling at the time, I was like, man, you guys are writing a story and you're really giving me the uphill battle. And I don't know if I got anything left for you. Like you guys sucked it out like succubus. I don't feel like an artist anymore. I don't know what, what my technical abilities even are. I was so wasted. There's some part of me that honestly subconsciously maybe even a little bit consciously was like yeah i'm gonna well actually i know that <laughs> i talked about it with my wife i was like i'm gonna beat his fucking ass fuck that motherfucker <laughs> i'm gonna go up like they want to try and have a story well i'll write the story all right you want to fucking push it put, keep prodding at a dog behind a cage and see if it can jump well guess what i can jump this fucking cage yeah it is interesting i mean i definitely feel like well i, I you know they they, they wanted they want drama and you can feel it mm -hmm. through the producers. They had the questions they ask you, you know, when you're talking to someone who's like, you know, kind of like a drama person, they're always yeah. like, hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? Or did you do this? Or what do you think about this? That's you mean me. Is <laughs> that? You mean me. What I do? Like, hey, did you hear about the Yuga Labs getting lawsuit by, by Rips Labs there? Yeah, you know, to me that's a little bit different just because you're you're talking about someone that we're not really even connected to. That's like talking yeah. about did you hear about Walmart? They're doing this thing. But as soon as you start talking about other people that are in like we were, you know, we're a, a small community of Ink Masters who are on the show competing. And as far as I know, most of the contestants were, weren't really talking shit. It was really the producers being like, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then they start putting these little pieces, these little seeds in your brain, you know, um, mm -hmm. think about Jesse's doing the same old thing over and over. You know, you think Kyle's crazy, you know, and, and it's like eventually, like we were saying before, it starts working its way into your brain. And you're like, I don't yeah. know, he is crazy. Did you see that thing you just did? That was kind of off. <laughs> One thing that that's missed in my episodes on the fourth season when I pretty much do go crazy is that on every critique that I received at one point, Nunez would make a, a reference to my mental stability, usually using the word crazy. <laughs> then finally it overflows. And the day before I get in a fight with him, what's his dick calls me crazy. Uh, carpet mustache. Um, little racist Ali. Sorry. <laughs> I like, I like him more than that, but boy, do I like to fuck with him. He won't come <laughs> on the show. So that's what we get, you know, come on, defend yourself. Anyways, uh, little racist Ali. He says, you're crazy, Kyle. But it's actually been said like seven times by Nunez already. Right. You know, so the next day I'm like, you want to call me crazy? You'll get exactly that. And then little fucking Ollie's like, I, I called you crazy. And then runs off to the corner. Like, ah, yeah. but don't hit me. It's I called you crazy. Man. It wasn't I mean, him. I saw them doing that shit with fucking Sarah. Like, you know, Sarah's mm -hmm. like really high and really low. And they would like completely, whenever she thought she was doing good, they would just fucking, you know, throw some salt in her cereal. And then right. whenever she thought she was doing bad, they would like lift her back up. You know, it's like, it was, it was super interesting watching, watching the whole thing. I mean, I, I would absolutely love to see the back end and how all this stuff really works. Cause it's, it's like really how it is in the control room, like the conversations and the things. Yeah, just, you know, yeah, just the, the brainstorming sessions. Okay, well, well he, you we notice that has, has anybody seen the control room? 
somebody told me that they saw something where it was like mm -hmm. a, almost like kind of quasi like timeline um and forked out depending on like yeah kyle gets kicked off this time then we'll do this this and this and so Wouldn't on. not you fit i would figure that would if i'm running it right and i'm a director then i'm half possible storylines all across that board because they would never i was like hey cassie control and they're like ah. they all acted like it might almost be a possibility but even as they said it you knew it was like nope they're just they're just making this go on <laughs> they don't want you to see the real conspiracy timelines all the red yarns and fucking safety pins or uh, thumbtacks on the, on the cork board you know yeah that, that they've constructed here's here's one element that i know of that okay I get in a fight and what Nunez actually said was, Hey, before these cameras get rolling, we got to figure out what the hell's going on with Kyle, Kyle, why, why are you <laughs> mad dogging me? Motherfucker. Or he says, you know, why, why are you mad dogging me? And that's before the cameras get rolling. So of course, you know, soon as that shit happens, cameras are rolling, like fucking production crew is jumping in. There's like, if there was an empty, any camera that's ready is on and on us. And then other cameras are being scurried in the background while they're getting, you know, brick battery packs for them. Like, holy shit, shit's starting. Then I, we have our little th this and that. I walk across and I fucking confront him, right? He assaults me. I'm just going legal speak here. <laughs> and I begin, I accost him. He assaults me. I, uh, I, it, with, and, and batters. I don't know. He touches me. So I think they, they get you on battery for just touching you sometimes. And then I batter him back in my imagined self-defense however when i get in the car and i'm being removed and the the one bouncer is there with me the guy's name's pat he's an awesome dude he explains to me the things going through him and his other security person's uh thoughts during the time and he explained he didn't know when to act he had to keep checking with the producers or and the directors on the set to try and be like hey now because it was recognized that this was going to be a problem already. You know, when this goes up, they're like, they, they knew, they knew the night before I told yeah. them, you know, and then this guy is on it and he's with the other guy and they start trying to figure out who they're going to have. He says, well, you get Nunez um, because he'll be easier or, or I'll get Nunez because he'll be easier. And then you get Kyle because you're younger is what this head security guy. And they ended up switching because Nunez was harder to control than I was. Uh, because I was like, all right, cool. It's over. I'm going home. Whatever. Fuck y'all. And, uh, but from that, I know that he, he was saying he was checking with the producers to see how far it could go. They let it go up to an assault. They were aware of it prior. They could have rushed at any time. Of course. Do you follow me? So they yeah. like, exactly like you say, they're, they're hoping to get drama and they have other people on the set prepared. He didn't want to step in too early. Right. Dis despite witnessing an assault, uh, an escalation <laughs> and a, a, a possible violent outburst. Anyways. Yeah. yeah, man. You know, and if I was honestly, if I was in charge of this show, I'd probably be doing the same shit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you see that guy right there? He's, he's about to fucking go off his <laughs> Hey, uh, do me a favor. Somebody call him crazy again. Yeah, did you see last time we called him crazy? His little eyebrow twitched. Uh, I think it's starting to work. I think it's starting to work real good. You know, he has a family of uh, of mental um, problems in his family. It might uh, it might have a good stigma. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so did it? Did any lawsuits? Did any lawsuit or anything ensue on that? No, I've just oh. been through the courts enough. 
<laughs> that, that, that uh, there's certain vernacular and, and things you begin to understand yeah. accosting somebody is just walking up to them chest out fist yeah. down angry eyes right so assaulting somebody is flinching at them or fucking you know lurching at them that might make them be feel intimidated or make them want to respond and then assault and battery is when you touch somebody so even just as i have done before when i have um, grabbed somebody's elbows and turned them to the side to walk past them because there was already an accosting at that point when i had thrown popcorn on him uh it was um an assault and battery at that point interesting and and really lame and boring probably too tell me this though you were one trick pony as you say then do you figure that or, or they kept bringing this word around like the potato just until it was being part of your guys's vernacular and nomenclatures do you think it was on a board somewhere like just like we're talking about you know with the conspiracy theories like let's make this one trick pony story work yeah i mean it may not have been that specific you know, they may not have specifically said we're going to call him the one trick pony or whatever that might be, but I definitely felt like I was getting thrown softballs the entire time. It was almost like it was almost like they the entire time they gave me the ability to do whatever the heck I wanted to do. And then, of course, when I did it, then they'd be like, you know, <laughs> was, you know, part of the, you know how they shoot part of the scene. Part of the scene will be like, oh, man, Jesse, we really love what you're doing, you know, yeah. And then the other part of the scene would be like, but you got to do something else. And then that's the only thing they show on TV. Right. So right. I didn't feel the entire time I was on the show or, you know, for the most part, I would say 90% of the time I was on the show, I never felt like I was being put in a position where I had to do something other than what I do. Um, you know, it, mm-hmm. it a few times, even the times where, they were like, okay, we're going to do black and gray realism with, uh, and we had to shoot photos of that model, like playing piano or something like that. And, um, you know, I didn't try to do a goofy looking girl there. I did a black and gray girl. We did a, you know, a day of the dead woman uh, tattoo baby. And I did, and, you know, I did, you know, quasi realism on that too. So mm-hmm. whenever, but whenever I was given the opportunity where they were like, yeah, do whatever you want. And then the freaking clients asking me for new school, I'm like, of course i'm all right you know like so or or if i there was a client that wanted or a a canvas i should call them if there was a canvas that wanted new school oh come on now don't let them potato potato us (laughs) yeah (laughs) you Um, use whatever you want to fucking call them don't go by their vernacular (laughs) so yeah you know if there was someone up there who wanted you know new school and i had the Mm. opportunity to pick that person then of course i was going to pick that person so yeah you know, it's like I said, I understand why they do every why they did everything they they did, and I understand why they do everything that they do. I mean, it's just not an entertaining show if you just let real life ensue. We see that in in our tattoo shops all day, every day. <laughs> it's right, not that interesting. Nope. There's a that you any tattoo show or any show seems to have to capture the drama, or it falls to the wayside. And I always think of a show called Epic Inc. that I personally loved. And I know a lot of artists did too, but it didn't really have drama. It was just some nerdy ass, talented tattoo artists doing nerdy shit that made them excited. You know, 
and they were oh. like it lasted like five episodes or something it couldn't even make a full season i think you know i mean look at all of them look at every tv show that's been out about tattooing and look at which one has lasted the longest yeah it's a sad part about somewhat of uh of us of a study of humanity as many people will always condemn the mainstream media or the media but few people seem to recognize the problem that they are inside of that same dynamic because we continually pay for it. I don't believe the media would be the detestable media that it is if it didn't satisfy our basest instincts and we didn't keep purchasing it, you know? Of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I have a choice between, you know, watching the regular news, we'll just call it regular, whatever regular news is at this point, but, or, <laughs> you know, watching whatever, any of the, the kind of like edge people where they're like all frustrated and angry and, you know, they got this really hard opinion. It's like yeah. we're more attracted to that than we are just hearing yes. someone tell us what's, what's happening down the, down the middle, you know? Interesting. Even when sometimes it's the, antithesis of your you're the opposite of your already perspective you may say if you're a person who watches tucker carlson nodding your head if you watch rachel maddow you might be just as interested yep you know i mean even though it, it doesn't agree with it you'll still be like oh, whatever that's life what about the thing because it stimulates anger in you yeah it stimulates emotion uh, that's what facebook figured out right yeah how do we get yeah. these guys to engage you know what I also notice too, whenever I have any sort of political conversations with people and they're they're kind of strong on one side or the other, because mm -hmm. I always notice that their their opinions and their ideas and thoughts about the other side are based off of the most, you know, fringe of that particular side. Yes. For example, like, pluralistic ignorance is yeah. is a, is the definition of what you're talking about. And we also, I imagine then you recognize the importance for as we're talking about the importance of ink master to create drama then we can recognize the importance of um opinion-based quasi-journalistic tv shows like uh tucker carlson and rachel maddow between sure. you know as the the seesaw you know the the balance beam um we recognize their necessity for showing the furthest left or right's opinion to make their audience believe that is the overall opinion of the opposite perception that they perceive yeah called pluralistic ignorance they they will echo or uh, raise the voices from the extreme sides for that exact purpose because it also makes people mad and then they watch the show and then they patronize coca-cola or ba da ba 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 you're a sheep now. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, everyone on the right thinks everyone on the left is like a, you know, a person who uses a kitter litter box. Mm -hmm. and everyone, <laughs> everyone on the left on the thinks left. that they're, everyone on the right is a bunch of racists. And they all uh, have little Hitler mustaches. <laughs> right. Which when we really dissect it, uh, we see that that is not at all the dynamic of them. That yes, there are some pretty far left motherfuckers out there, and there are some pretty right motherfuckers out there, but generally they're not the accepted opinion of that group inside of that group. Of course, yeah, I noticed that when I was you know 
I think when the whole uh, George Floyd situation went down and uh, I uh, painted a mural of George Floyd on the front of my shop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because I have a guy who works in my shop who leans right. And then, you know, I'd say the majority of my shop leans left. Um, But, you know, when I painted that mural of George Floyd, you know, I was I was in my mind, I was just trying to show support. And that was the imagery that people were using at that particular point in time to show support. And, you know, my friend that was on the right, he was like, you know, how can you support this Black Lives Matter? And and I was like, well, you know, because because they do, you know, like <laughs> I didn't understand, like he he was reading into it based off of the uh, stuff that he was watching. His pluralistic he, ignorance of it but, was that these the, the the worst of BLM was the was the majority. Well, and he was no, he was thinking like, you know, and I didn't even know this at the time. And that's how ignorant I was is you know, Black Lives Matter was an organization. I didn't know that. I thought it was just a hashtag like me too. I didn't realize it was a complete organization. Well, it was a little of both. And between you and me and the way that the stories I've seen written about it, depending on the bias from the articles, they they happily substitute one to the other. You know what I mean? Like, especially the right hand side, the right side likes to feed their uh, their base, the idea that BLM is an organization and then the BLM movement is tainted as per that. They try to make sure that it's the same, whereas the left kind of especially now that BLM organization has been put through some lawsuits like they were buying you know, rich ass houses for meetings and then putting their family members in them. that the BLM has this kind of lawsuit stuff going on that, that the, the left seems to want to disassociate the two. And I think it makes sense because many of the people in the streets, the majority of them that were not uh, rioting, uh, which were the majority is, is my understanding uh, the majority of them that were not rioting and that were just protesting and believing that black lives matter. That was a movement sure. far from the organization. You know what I mean? Not one of those people is like, listen, I'm signing up to this thing. I'm a devout member now. I'm going to start spending my dues to your to your organization. I'm not saying that they didn't donate to the BLM. I'm sure that happened. But their idea was, of course, that black lives actually mattered, not that I want to support this small group of people's financial you know, gain inside of this theater of, if you will. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of confusion and a lot of, you know, bad marketing, you know, I think, uh, you know, support black lives would probably have gone over a little bit better <laughs> than some of the stuff. I don't know. It's it's definitely frustrating watching both sides. And, you know, my girlfriend is uh, pretty far left and then my best friend is pretty far right. So I find myself defending both sides at some capacity. Right. <laughs> nice, though. I like that. I, I think we all should be defending both sides of some capacity and seeking not to have our perceptions proven, but to understand the, you know, the, the topics that we're talking about that our perceptions are based off of. Yeah, no, it's pretty interesting too, because being that I have those two perspectives, it's, it's easy for me to kind of act as a bridge uh, between the two of them in a way. Or if I find myself in a conversation with someone else who might be far left or far right or whatever, I've already kind of, you know, I have two very close people to me. They're on opposite sides. 
uh, that have kind of filled my head full of both perspectives on these particular matters, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you'll have the talking points down from both sides and you're like, man, somewhere these things don't line up. There must be some (laughs) truth somewhere. Yeah. There's some very, very cherry picked data from both sides. I've, I've been getting that a lot with, um, because I come off as a very left-wing person because of my adversarial uh, stance on Fox News for the most part. I think Fox News, above others, has really contaminated media. And I don't mean to say that CNN isn't and MSNBC are not you know, of the same, but I think that they started to emulate that more. I think Fox News tried to be CNN, actually, uh, except as the answer to it. But they went real far one way and, and they were very artistic with it. You know, they they made sets that looked professional and, and they went one. And then that became the success. Fox News was a huge success. So now other news organizations, including CNN, is now copying uh, Fox News kind of formula, but going far left. MSNBC is just another answer to that, too. We're like, yeah, OK, let's go far left ourselves. Maybe we can go further left. Yeah, you know, the the interesting thing is, uh, you know, I, I'm sure everybody's gone through this at some capacity, but like, you know, you hear Fox News or you hear CNN, you start hearing all this information, you're like, and they all, they, they can't both, some in some scenarios, in some scenarios they can, but there's also other scenarios where they can't both be right, right? It's right. either, you know, there's Russian collusion or there's not, you know, or that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's some gray area in the middle there, but my whole point is, is like, there was a point where I was just like, I don't even know what, who to believe. So I started like kind of taking tally in my own mind. I would listen to the news and I'd hear them say something. And a lot of times what happens is I feel like they say something and then if they're wrong, they just kind of move on to the next thing. And you just kind of forgot that they were wrong about that one thing or they fade out of it or whatever. But I over the news cycle, you mean the week weeks or so to come after that? Yeah, weeks, months, whatever. Like yeah. you know, for example, I don't know, but any any of the the major topics, you'll hear it, and if they're wrong, they just kind of like glide by it right. and go into something else. And and I mean, I guess it's you know a lot of this is gray area or opinion, but the one thing I do remember is I remember I I was I stumbled across this video of Tucker Carlson talking about. COVID being a pandemic. And this was before it was a pandemic. And I remember being like, man, fucking Fox News fear mongering and da 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 da. <laughs> and, you know, and then uh, for whatever reason, CNN was playing it down like, oh, it's not, not a big deal, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I chose in my mind to believe that it wasn't a big deal because I didn't want it to be a big deal. But then, you know, looking back, I realized, and this was when I was, like I said, I was, I was taking toll on, on these. And was it interesting to watch the shift between the two dynamics then too? Right. Where then Fox News is like, it's not a big deal. Right. And, and CNN is like, and the same shift happened with the parties themselves of some extent. Uh, and I'm only going off of one person's words, I guess here, but she was the vice president. She is the vice president. And during a debate with Mike Pence, they asked her if she would get the the COVID vaccine that Donald oh, Trump yeah. was developing and uh, was rapidly being sped along at the time. And she says, oh, if Trump's involved, I'd, I would have questions. Meanwhile, <laughs> we move forward to when she's vice president. Are you going to get vaccinated? You'd be an idiot not to. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. stuff for that. 
I mean, that's it, when it, I kind of was, um, I, I decided it was less important for me to have an opinion on it, I guess, because obviously these two thoughts were tainted drastically. So my, that actually gave me less fear of the vaccine. The fact that both political parties and news organizations had both opinions at different times. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You're like, no, it's, obviously it's not it's, that dangerous. If you guys both believed at one time, it was not dangerous. And it's just, uh, you know, I, I, I sit there and I watch like specifically when Trump was in office. So my girl's like way against Trump and, you know, my right wing friend was pro Trump and uh, I shouldn't call right wing, but leading right friend was, was pro Trump. And just like watching how angry both of them were during that time. And I was just like, you know, you guys just need to turn off the news. I was like, yeah. walk outside and go say hi to someone and see if you remember what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exactly. Crazy, it it became so. hard during that time for many people to see anybody else. Uh, and possibly even now, I'm sure it's still carrying over. It's just he was a more polarizing figure. They're trying to make Biden polarizing, but he's about as polarizing as a doughboy, you know? Right. Like, like I'm not saying he ain't like, and if you're already lying, leaning one way, obviously it's easy to hate the culmination of your perceptions of the opposite side, but not really. He's a fucking, he's, he's no Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Uh, sure. Trump I mean, was happy Trump to be that lightning rod. Sure. But that made I mean, it harder just did. to see somebody at the cash register. And if you maybe would have a normal, like pleasant, pleasantry that you would share a contact of the eyes you might even touch the hand not in some intimate way but you know in in a way that is more intimate than uh like not touching somebody's hand when you get changed from them or whatever right so in those moments though people were feeling like i can't reach out to this person because they are possibly of the persuasion opposite of my perception i don't want to be challenged by my perceptions and I don't want to believe that these people can be good. I enjoy the comfort of the pluralistic ignorance I have been exposed to. It's like a hot tub for me, and I've gotten comfortable. I don't want to move. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's other things, too. I mean, Trump was very divisive in the way that he communicated. And, you know, I think uh, probably for a lot of people who had had you know prior traumas because of you know men that were similar to him you know i'm sure that played a role into it as well but he just wasn't you know he's fun to listen to if you're if you could get his sarcasm when he was being sarcastic but yeah. you know I, I but he was like- terrible to listen to when the journalists would use his sarcasm that you could tell was sarcasm or <laughs> humor that is best it may not have been good humor but then they would try to paint a picture of that more showed that their their desire to do just that you know to ride the guy down you're like well now it's harder to trust you because obviously you you know what i mean like he's sure he's having a hard time with speech you know with um (laughs) with with speech to a certain demographic but uh you guys are now painting it as though it is a huge character flaw, you know, and and some of these things, but he has huge character flaws. And now I, I look at those character flaws with less knowledge about whether or not they're detrimental or not because of the reporting that you've done here, you know? 
it's like making everybody like um i I don't know if it is like like, uh but it waters down it's like kind of the just say no like when you find out that marijuana that they were lying to you about you're like maybe cocaine ain't so bad you know it changes your perspective (laughs) all right (laughs) yeah no it's 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 interesting and i honestly like i choose to try to like um stay away from that stuff as much as possible i i look at the news as entertainment i don't look at it back and you know, I I always I, I hate having that conversation with, with my friends who get so emotionally connected to all this stuff. I'm like, listen, man, it, it, first of all, if you ain't gonna do nothing about it, quit complaining about it. And then yeah. <laughs> second and of if all, you can't do anything cool. about it. I would I would point Dude, this out fucking... about that. That there is or my understanding has become this recently. That if I am not the problem, then I have no control over the solution. And and so actually in that possibly I need to also find what problem I am contributing or could be contributing. And so now I can address that in my life and feel more comfortable that I am doing what I can to end that problem, if that makes any sense. You know, I mean, it's very loose in its thought, but if I can ever put it into that formula, if it ever fits into that, like, well, what am I the problem of this? If I'm not, Really, I can't have. He can't. It can't be important to me if I'm not. Think the about if you saw, Think about if you met someone in real life that was like this, and I'm sure we have met someone. And I mean, I know I have. A, you know, you have a client, or you got someone who just they come in and they just tell you all this bad news all the time, and they tell you all the negative things that are going and and everything that bad that's happened in their life and all that stuff. Yeah, initially you want to be empathetic, but if it just keeps on coming, eventually you're just like, well, there's just this person is just yeah. focusing on all the negative shit. And yeah. that's the news. And, and now that's board. yes. The I news follow is that complaining f- friend who can't seem to ever see any good in life. Yeah. Self driving cars are here, but they're killing people. Why aren't there more exactly. car wrecks actually by people driving? Yeah, but you know yeah <laughs> everything dude everything everything that you know i'm always trying to like try new things and do new things and and if you say that to anyone most people not most but there's a good percentage of people will be like yeah but i heard this thing and it's like well yeah that i mean you know i went swimming in the ocean i heard someone got bit by a shark yeah <laughs> one out of every zillion people like come on Right. If you really think about it with all the people in the ocean, uh, it's, it's actually pretty small, any number of shark bites. Oh, that's what the surfers tell me. That's what long and necker keeps saying. And they'll only take like a finger or a toe usually. Dude, I've, (laughs) I, uh, I did, I've done a lot of scuba diving and a lot of spearfishing and stuff like that. And I'll tell you, man, like when I first saw a shark, I was scared. And then you see sharks all the time and you realize the sharks, it's like seeing a stray dog out on the street. Like, unless you're dangling a piece of meat in front of it, chances are it's not going to fuck with you. You know, every once in a while you hear stories about how, you know, a couple of pit bulls just start attacking a person or something like that. Yeah. But for the most part, most stray dogs will leave you alone. They don't want to mess with you. And you know, I, I, I wonder if this isn't that gaslighting though because every time i talk to a surfer scuba diver or what what it may be that swims with sharks they always talk about them being dogs 
Is that like, you know, yeah. the potato, the fucking one trick pony kind of vernacular that got this being put out into the ethos? I mean, it's possible. I honestly, I don't remember anybody saying that. I, I assumed okay. I came up with that on my own, but it's possible somebody said that to me. But like, I remember, you know, I, was I think actually, I was just uh, talking with H2 Ocean Eddie a couple of days ago. and I think he made a very similar reference. I mean, you know, I, I think it's it. I would I would say the same thing for uh, seals and you know sea lions and stuff like that. Mm. It's it's like they're an animal that could hurt you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, dolphins I'm just trying too. to think of any other. Any I remember other getting example. excited seeing some dolphins feeding, and I, while I was surfing, I was going to swim out to them. I'm like, I'm going to go swim with some dolphins. And then I was just like, what the fuck stupid idea did you just have? Like I took like two, two swims over towards it. Right. And and this is yeah. before I really knew that they like to rape people as much as they do too. But I'm like, so you're <laughs> going to go to their cafeteria huh, and just sit down at their table and just be like, Hey guys, what's up? Yeah. Like, no. I, mean, I, I stumbled across a couple of pods of dolphins when I was out spearfishing one time. It was really awesome, <clears> but it was, it was definitely a little intimidating too. I mean, there's probably, I don't know, probably 20 some odd dolphins. And they, yeah, because you know, they're not like, like dogs. They're like yeah, aliens think... or something, right? They got more intelligence than that. Yeah, you know, there's some baby ones around. In my mind, I was just like, ah, if, you know, get too close mm. to one of the baby ones, you might end up. Pissing out. Yeah. <laughs> that make them more like a bear all of a sudden. Right. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I think. Uh, I think that that staying away from the news would probably be healthy for most people. What what did we do there? Do we by staying away from the news? Do you think that there is would be an, a a change to the very news and media that everybody seems to hate? Of course, yeah. I mean, if, if people aren't watching it, then they have no revenue. If they don't have any mm -hmm. revenue, then they don't they don't succeed. And I know, believe that is possibly the most well thought of, like i think many people they they see the media as like a guy wringing his hands you know with dark bags under his eyes and just evil intent like haha i control all these people's minds they're mine <laughs> but meanwhile the media is really a mirror right and if you're looking for the worst parts of yourself and humanity there it is you'll see it no problem but if you want to look for the good stuff and, you know, happy fucking puppies, you it's there, too, in media. You know, there is literally dog report magazines like they only report on dogs, you know, and cats, cat fancy. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a news part to cat fancy. I think I don't know. <laughs> But, yeah, but if, exactly if we all decided no more politics, fuck it, we're all done, man. No more politics. We're all doing cat fancy from now on. Then they would there would be a big, huge paradigm shift in our in our, you know, those forces that try to control us. For sure. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I mean, some of this is just instinctual or, you know, it's just built into our genetics that we haven't exactly got it knocked out yet. But I mean, you know, we want to see things that we haven't seen before. We want to see things that are that are fringe and mm -hmm. it's just like why people look at car accidents when they're driving by instead of just riding right by them it's like you know these are things that we don't typically see if we if it's fucking gawkers what's that slow fucking gawkers fucking gawkers. slowing down traffic you know it's the same thing with the tv show if they if they legitimately brought a camera into a tattoo shop 
and just like recorded all of us. Didn't coax us into doing anything. Didn't mm-hmm. set up any scenarios. Didn't do any character building. Like you would just be like, this is boring as fuck. Like, you know, of course, every once in a while, some tar- a tattoo artist will act up and do something or a client will act up and do something. But, you know, that doesn't happen on a daily basis. Like You don't have um kids in your shop, do you? Kids as in like, you know. You'd probably, I mean, many shops don't allow children in and it makes sense. But we used to have kids in and uh, people would imagine that the kid's going to not get bored because they're like tattoo shop. Oh my God. It's probably like an amusement park. There's always something to know that kid gets so fucking bored. That's why so many shops don't have them in because about 10 minutes into the tattoo mom's sitting there getting a little bit of pain. Kids mind starts wandering and start, you know, I'm going to go in the lobby and fucking kick everything, knock it over, flush the toilet a few hundred times. You know what I mean? They get bored. Don't, yeah, but not just kids, boyfriends, girlfriends, freaking, yeah. you know, like every, <laughs> every time someone's like, I'm going to bring my friend to watch me get tattooed. I'm like, oh, bored out of their minds. Yeah, we don't have a Wi-Fi for them. You know, if it's like a little like half hour tattoo or something, but if you're doing like a, you know, an eight hour tattoo on someone, you know, everybody's going to get bored eventually in that scenario. Yeah. And we noticed that too with the way they film Ink Master that um they they have no drama in the actual development of the tattoo. Right. Yeah. You and I would see it, and I think many artists probably, and honestly, I, I think if they filmed it better, they might catch on to something there that they're missing. But I see yesterday I'm watching and there's creepy Jason and they're doing him in the middle of a sentence, you know, like I got to do this tattoo or I'm my ass is on the ground or something, whatever he's saying, you know? Um, And then he, he has a coil machine and he's getting ready to do some line work. You can see, you know, and he's starting in on it. And then they turn to another angle and they're trying to show you it as being a continuation of that scene. But now he has a pen in his hand, a pen (laughs) tattoo machine, you know, and you're like, okay. (laughs) what the fuck come on there's no like like i feel like they would if they could show you know like the line work being worked on uh you know and then show the the black work going into it and then save and and maybe just a few colors and then save the final for the reveal i feel like there'd be more gratification for the viewer because they see what we see and what our customers get to see that makes it able for them to sit eight hours, you know, while they watch the progression of this thing and that the drama does build. It's not there. For, it's not like exciting drama, but I yeah. feel like they miss it when they, um, when they don't show us those progressions of the tattoo in Ink Master. They only got 42 minutes, man. Yes. They got to jam it all <laughs> Right. And some shots just have better lighting or don't have noise running through them or something, I imagine. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, so, uh, you know, I was on season two and seven. You were on four or three? Mm-hmm. Four, four and five. Three right? and four. Three and three four. And four. No, okay, okay. Five was the um the first angry ones, which was at uh, Shop Wars or something, wasn't it? Or Rivals. I don't remember, but. What I do remember, what I what I was gonna say is, you know, on season two, we barely got pushed for drama. Like I don't think I was involved in any drama on season two, if I can remember correctly. There might have been a little tiny things, but nothing big. I'm and guessing that I, changed on seven, huh? Oh my goodness, insanely! It was like night and day on season seven. It was like I got there and I felt like I, I felt like I fell into a shark tank. It was like, 
you know, all of a sudden people were coming at me for, yeah. for, for like random reasons. And I was like, what, what, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> like, so Meanwhile, it's because somebody was stirring the soup over there, huh? Yeah. They you got know, better at their hiring was, practices. So Sarah was on. So Sarah, of course, was on season two with me and she was on mm -hmm. season seven with me. And I actually came on season seven after her. And you ever see like those horror movies or whatever, when you like walk into a scenario and there's someone who's like, get out, get out, now. <laughs> run, <laughs> run, <laughs> leave me, like, save yourself, but, Jesse. Right. That's exactly what Sarah did to me when I got, she's like, this is nothing like season two. You got to protect yourself. <laughs> I, was Dude, like, I really appreciate hearing that. Cause I feel like season three to season four, I watched the beginning of that shift. Like season three was a bunch of integrity. They were pushing us for a drama, um, but we were really standing against it. There were several people that kind of was like, yeah, dude, they're going to come to you and say stupid shit. And we were sharing the stuff they were saying to us backstage. That's probably one key to it. Like if you want the producers not to be able to work, of course it might make an uninteresting show, but if you want to diminish their ability to go to the person that they told you, you know, some shit like, Hey, can you go tell Jesse he's a one trick pony? Yeah. And then you would say, Jesse, dude, they really want me to call you a one trick pony. Has anybody else been asked? Oh, look at this fucking Matt. He asked you to call him one trick. He's asked me to call him one trick. That motherfucker's gaslighting us. You know, like you know, I think what they started figuring out as time went on is they found their people, right? So there's these certain <laughs> artists that were on the show, and I'm sure you know who they are. <laughs> certain artists who were on the show, they were like essentially the the puppets of the producers, and yeah. they would stir shit up for the producers. And so when you're hearing one of your artist friends, you think they're a friend or peers, <laughs> being like, "Yeah, man, Jesse said this thing, or Jesse's doing this thing, or whatever." then it's it, that spreads quicker than the producers saying it. So they just find them yeah. in. They figure out who yep. they can get in on, and then they don't go in on the, the people that they know they can't, you know? I feel like they do a similar thing with our canvases in that oh, yeah. they, they know that they've got a few just, you know, might be some surprises here, but these are some boring-ass ones. And then this one wants to be a rapper. Or yeah. this one, you know what I mean? And then, like, so we have a control, like, hey, it's really important that you're seen, right? Like, yeah. or you're, you want to be a model. It's really important that you get some time with the camera. I mean, some of these people are just going to get cut out. We're barely going to remember their faces, but you might not want to get the tattoo and then work on your, on your modeling career. Yeah. Yeah. Or your Instagram influencer career as it might them, be nowadays. Let them talk you into getting in a different spot. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They can do it. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy i remember when i went back for a redemption and uh mm -hmm. you know i got confronted pretty aggressively and i remember one of the producers after the fact was like yeah we you know we had them in the back like taking shots of tequila and listening to pantera so they could get the balls to come out there and talk shit to you <laughs> and i just thought that was so funny right right it, it, it takes some of the window right like oh that makes more sense and also what a stupid thing right i pity yeah. you now it's, you know and i think that going through that i'm sure you feel the same way is like going through that just just helped me get a different perspective on myself because you know everybody's always like if i'm in that if i was in that scenario i'd do this that or whatever and then you get in that scenario and you realize and like, yeah that makes sense 
yeah um, i'm kind of frozen in here i can't really there is nothing i can do or yeah yeah it's fun yeah, to see other people go on and experience that especially when they might tell you man if i get on that show you know what i'm gonna do <laughs> You're yeah like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah i can't wait to find out right i remember yeah I've, as a matter of fact i've had a couple people who are like oh yeah i'm gonna go in there i'm gonna do this that or whatever and i'm like good luck and then they're like one of the first people kicked off. <laughs> it's like, how'd that work out for you? It does feel like you need to find a way to control the storyline, but I don't know so many people are going to be successful to control the storyline to their you're, benefit. You're you're fighting a machine. If you if you're trying to fight, you're fighting a machine that is very well oiled and in all the perfect positions to control the entire situation. Like, even if you didn't do it to what they wanted you to do, they have tons of footage of you just whatever, whatever, you know, and, and mm -hmm. reactions. So yeah. Assuming that they can't get what they want, then they'll figure out a way to make something else happen. You know, and they made a commercial that made it look like I was fighting, like physically fighting with one of the female contestants on there. And, and it would, you know, by the way, it just left things off. When you watch the episode, it doesn't appear that way at all. You know, right. you see it's a fight between two other people, but it's it from just that commercial, you're like they have a lot of ability, you know what I mean? To yeah. to make a narrative mm -hmm. and like you said, you're fighting against uh, a well oiled machine. When I was on season so when I hear you say that season two they weren't as controlling like that, or at least not as good at it. And then season seven, it was like a completely different beast. I feel like I felt that from season three to season four, when it was the first time they really had an alliance of that, that worked for anybody, Maddie Hickson and, um, and Scott, the person who won had an alliance of sorts. And then season five, which was designed just to have alliances, you know what I mean? They are to really amp up the drama. And then one more season, I don't even know what happened at six, but then seven. And now it's just out of control. These producers are running through the aisles, pulling you off to the side every second, trying to put ideas in your head or not. Are you talking about season seven? Yeah. How, what, what was, what like, name some of the obvious differences of the controls that you felt the producers were using or employing. Well, the yeah, you know, I don't know if you guys had to do this, but when we were standing on state, like standing to get critiqued, right? I remember the producers would be like, okay, look to the left and act like the person to the left just ripped the nastiest fart. And, you know, you'd make that face like yeah. the nastiest fart. And then look to the right and look as if they said the funniest thing you've ever heard. You know, and, and they had us doing like these little exercises. You know, yeah. and of course, we were joking around with them and, and not really taking them seriously. But in the end, how much freedom does that give them when it comes to editing? It's right. Like, okay, you know, they're hoping that you ad lib because that will give them a nuanced version of exactly what they want to use any other time. Right. Exactly. So, you know, let's say Kyle just gets kicked off the show and then they, you know, they had me looking to the left, laughing out I'm loud. Laughing, yeah. Like, oh, Jesse just laughed at Kyle getting kicked off because they had a you know, a, a, a beef or whatever, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's very interesting, you know, but the, the second time I went back, I, I was fully aware of what I was getting into. And I was just like, look, I'm just going to have fun with it and not, not try to worry about all the things that they could do, because the fact of the matter is they're going to do whatever the hell they want in the end anyways.
It's the way I feel about the flat earth. If it's flat, you know what? I'm still going to work. Oh my God, dude. I saw, I saw a video the other day. It was so funny. It was like, so it showed all the dinosaurs on the flat earth. <laughs> uh-huh. It showed the meteor coming to hit earth. And then when it hit the earth, you know, it just made the, because it was flat. It just like flung all the dinosaurs off the earth. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. Um, I don't, I don't disagree, I, but it, you know, it could be right. Like, I don't even give a fuck to do the science. Like, I'm just going to trust whatever powers that be and go to Walmart to buy some meat for my keto diet and, dude, that's the, that's and vegetarian the, next. That's the exact thing that I'm saying. Like you, I've never watched any of those flat earth things, but people watch them and they get sucked right in real quick. You know, he told me I need, he's like, dude, it's like 18 hours, but it's really worth it. And I was like, nothing, nothing. What is worth 18 hours? Like, no. You know, I feel like I really do. I feel like every documentary I watch, there's very rare that a documentary I watch and I walk away. I'm like, that documentary is full of shit. Right. Like if they're doing what they're supposed to do, which is sell their point or whatever, then, well, that's not a documentary then necessarily. It's more, you know what I mean? Like a documentary should have both viewpoints and not be trying to sell it. Not that that yeah, isn't what is happening. Yeah. You I, mean, know. I guess, I guess that, yeah, I guess that's a, yeah. Well, I don't know what you would consider that then. What is it called if it's not a documentary? Well, you know, and at the same time, as I say that someone pointed out to me, my son pointed out to me, he's like, no, a documentary is anything that has documents that shows documents, you know, and like there's like legal terms inside of courtrooms and stuff of documentaries that are just that, like, you know, a bunch of documents. Um, But I personally feel like a documentary, I don't trust it very soon if I begin to see that there is an underrepresented um, side you know, or, or viewpoint uh, from one side or where they cherry pick the people to offer the viewpoint from the opposition side that you're like, well, that person's insane. <laughs> Why would you choose this insane person? Like we just picked any random person off the street that was crazy and also had this standpoint and then he's going to defend it. Meanwhile, we've got scholars over here, you know, um, right. tearing it down, whatever. I But um yeah documentaries like i watch zeitgeist i don't know if you've seen this one and i come away very convincing very convincing now then i did a little research afterwards um so one of the first things i search is is arguments against zeitgeist and then i i i come across an article that was pretty well written with a lot of links and then i did a little bit of research into some of the facts that they purported as facts about the sun virgin birth and all this kind of stuff basically saying the virgin birth was was an old story and not that it wasn't but they really misrepresented the facts there they were saying that there was a virgin birth prior to jesus virgin birth uh um savior story but it was actually like it was a it was a birth from the sun and since the sun can't have sex it was the first time that it it was a virgin as well but it was you know i mean it wasn't a human at all that was giving birth in this instance, but in the documentary zeitgeist, they represented it as that. And then there were all these other little facts that were um, poised against it too, to where you're like, okay, now I see that, you know, they are very loose with the facts. They cite things uh, for you to reference study, but if you don't do the actual study, you'll just take away their inference because they cited something, you know? 
and their inference is is not conclusive. Did you do any um, any uh, investigating on all the stuff they were saying about nine eleven? Uh, is it, well, that was actually just gave me less hope. To, I, I I started watching Zeitgeist to uh, satisfy that salacious part inside of me that wanted to believe that this was a government control thing. So that's why I watched it. It it really reaffirmed those beliefs in me. Then I started to study the first parts of it where they were destroying the religion. I realized they had such leniency with the truth that I couldn't believe too much more. Got and it. I didn't, you know, and, and not them saying, I know there's a lot of like, fuck, no, no, I'll have a stage. I was, I'm not saying it ain't. You know, there was a lot of things about that day. I mean, the, with them having uh, exercises that were similar and not knowing whether or not this was an exercise as opposed to a real life event. And then, you know, other towers burning up. Uh, but yeah. I don't, I mean, my day, when, it, when I really get down to it, I'm not the problem anywhere in that. And so the importance level to me is pretty zero. You know, I don't affect it either way. The only way I can affect it is having a belief one way or the other. And that would just determine who my, my friend, my echo chamber is. So why have an echo chamber and instead, why don't I just have a podcast where I'll let anybody come on and say what they believe about it, you know? Like, like, let's get that out there in some Joe Rogan style facts for people to share at the water cooler. <laughs> Did you have a belief in it? Did you come away from anything like hundred uh, percent jet fuel don't burn hot enough to melt molten steel or, you know, wrought iron? Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when you watch it, it's very convincing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's like they, they very, it was a very well put together documentary or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, <laughs> it very clearly states a bunch of stuff. Now, you know, I, I didn't research it, but I, then again, I'm not running around acting like I'm an expert on this either. So. Right. You're not preaching on it now. Like, oh, no, man, I know the truth about that shit. Yeah. Fucking George Bush himself was lighting fires underneath that thing. Yeah, I think I learned a long time ago is like, you know, whenever I'm saying something that is quote unquote fact that I haven't experienced, then I typically will say, you know, I heard this at this specific yes. thing, or I, you know, I pass it off to where I got the information, but I also yeah. am aware of my own ignorance, uh, which I think a lot of people aren't, you know, for the most part, obviously. No, uh, that is what I'm ignorant to. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's a genius thing. Who is it? Um, some smart dude once said, I think is Einstein. Let's just say it was Einstein. Yeah. The greatest threat to intelligence is the illusion of knowledge. Right. So if you don't understand that you may be ignorant, you will not be intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I've heard that recently as well. And I think that's the biggest thing is I think most people would do, would do a lot of people good if they just realize that most of the stuff they're seeing on the internet is not real. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> one yeah. great big obvious neon distraction yeah, I mean, dude, I fucking acted like I tattooed dogs for charity. And I would say that probably more people believed it than didn't. <laughs> how do you tattoo dogs for charity? What would be the, how would they not see through, like what charity is like, oh man, these poor puppies, they have no sleeves. <laughs> you, uh... <laughs> Won't you donate to the Sleeveless Puppy Foundation? <laughs> did you ever see that, uh, that April Fool's joke I did? 
Oh, yes. God, but wait, no, it was like tickets on cars or something, though, right? That was another one that I did. Yeah, that was the one okay. we, we put uh, parking tickets on all the cars. We did uh, 15,000 parking tickets. It was pretty cool. Oh, my God. That one was fun. You know, like we got a little bit of backlash, um, but it was, you know, it was very few and far between. And it, it, I felt they weren't going to get tattooed by you anyways. Let's be honest. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> then yeah, Karen's wasn't lining up. Yeah. And then there was, you know, the one after that we did the, we acted like we were tattooing dogs for charity. So we like had a whole line of, of, well, we didn't say animals. We said, you know, we didn't say dogs. We just said tats for cats and dogs. Anyways, we had like a whole line of dogs out front and we took a picture of that and then uh, took some video of that. And then we brought some dogs up and acted like we were tattooing them. And then I showed pictures of, you know, fake tattoos on dogs and people fucking lost their mind. <laughs> How lost their like describe losing your mind over I such things? We had we had a substantial amount of death threats. Uh, we had the animal control. Death. Like yeah, like I'm gonna burn your tattoo shop down, and you know just a bunch of nasty, nasty stuff. Uh, so amazing. It's crazy. And I actually, one of the dudes, I actually reached out to him and I was like, Hey man, are you upset? <laughs> and like, he was like, you're a predator and all the, you know, he just, and, and I but know now that, when he finds out it's a joke, how does he feel? Does he still well, feel like that's not something to joke about? Right. That's where it turned into. Right. So then initially everybody thought it was real and then people realized it was a joke. And then they're like, this isn't funny. This is like joking about pedophilia. It's funny it's because great. it worked, honestly. Right. Like right. if you believed this, and now I realize why you're so mad about it because you have such low intellect. Like <laughs> you're gonna tattoo dogs for charity. Good. The Lord. crazy thing is, is even after I I made it very clear those April Fool's jokes, some people still didn't believe. They thought I was trying to cover my ass. Like I had people who were like, "You I, you know you tattooed those dogs. You're just trying to act like it's a joke." You know. So I was like, I was like, dude. I mean, I don't know how to how to prove it otherwise here's a picture of my dog now I no tattoos my dog right now without that tattoo that you thought that it had on it you could have took that picture before you sleeved them out oh my god it was it you was know crazy. i tattooed my dog a long time ago so there yeah, is yeah. some truth to this yeah what my my when i had a dog his name was herman and he was the most awesome doggy ever he's the first pit bull i ever owned and then i realized how much i loved the breed oh like such a good dog but he was stolen from me because he was so goddamn nice. He, if you opened up your car door, he would jump in your passenger seat and just look straight ahead. Like, so where are we going? The beach? No problem. He would jump in your, so he gets taken from my shop because he is a good looking dog. Well, uh, I put up some flyers and stuff. Six months later, I, we give up. I'm about to take the flyers down. I take the last one down, as a matter of fact. And just that day, somebody comes up with a dog that's grown now. And I'm like, nah, I don't think it's my dog. Because, you know, it's just, he looks similar. But then when he comes up to me, he just like lays in front of me and he rolls over. He's like, hey, why don't you scratch my belly, motherfucker? Remember me? And I'm like, oh my fucking God, this is my dog. So we needed to tattoo him. And if you have papers for your dog... There is actually a tattoo number section from the AKC or whatever accredited paperwork because it's common to tattoo an identifier on your dog to help keep it from theft or mis in misbreeding or something, if you follow. 
Yeah. So no, I mean, that was a, that was something we su- a lot during that joke was a lot of people were saying just that. Okay. Yeah. Like it's it's helpful. It's not it, it, it like we put them under. You know, we went with the vet and put him under. We put two nautical stars and the gooch on him, and it was accepted that his name was the gooch or his tattoo name was the gooch. I didn't want anybody to catch my dog. His name was Herman. But if they ever found him and they started calling him the gooch, you know what I mean? Then yeah. he wouldn't answer. I thought I didn't want to put his name on. Probably would answer. It sounds like one of those dogs is just happy that someone's yelling at him. Yeah, he was so cool, man. He was like that funnest day of his life. I think. Mine, I don't know. It was so funny. One day, I, I like I was just wearing some jeans or whatever, eating some like chicken nuggets, and I had this fold, and he used to like put his head on my uh, shoes, right? And so he puts his head on his shoes, and he starts to sleep, and his mouth starts to kind of open up a little bit. And I dropped this chicken mug nugget perfectly that it lands in this fold of my pant leg and like a fucking, like, I don't know, a luge. <laughs> it goes straight down to his mouth. And he just thought, he's like, that was the best day of my life, Kyle. When I was just laying there and thinking like, man, I wish I had a chicken nugget, but I don't. That's cool. You'll give me some treats when I get done. And then I had a chicken nugget. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Sorry. That's my story about my dog. I'm done with it now. Fuck I, that. A, I miss him. Mm-hmm. I had a red nose. I had a red nose pit bull, and she was a. Sweet, That's what he was. She was super sweet, man. She was awesome. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'll never get another pit bull again because I, you know, the one thing I I realized is that that stigma is just so hard. It's you know, I couldn't get a place to live. I remember yeah. I'd be walking my dog, and everybody would always like, you know go to the other side of the street they were scared really scared of yeah. her. anytime she got out of the yard i'd always have to go pick her up at animal control because they you know they call them up and yeah just i know what you mean and then there's also if you if they ever if you ever do breed it um we accidentally bred our dog we never meant to but he ended up knocking <laughs> up we had we had a female too you know and just like we thought we could keep him apart and that's a hard task so we end up and people would come up and they'd shake your dog's head to try and see how aggressive it would become. And then they would want to pick the aggressive one, you know? So there is that too, to where you're like, man, I don't want my breed being given to anybody who wants him to be aggressive, right? you know? And then it it is a very sad thing for him because they're so loyal, so protecting that they will, you know, become one of the most vicious killers if need be, or if they feel that's needed. And then there's the element of humanity of, of, terrible humans that want to only see that because of a weakness in themselves. And so they fight them or whatever. Bullshit. Yeah. I, I found a little pit bull one time in the gutter in front of my, uh, my house. And I, and I was like, I was going to keep it. And the mm-hmm. thing was like way too aggressive. And I was like, I don't want a dog to have a temperament like this. So right. Give him away. It takes a lot of work. I mean, for certain dog. Yeah, I mean that's why I picked my pit bull the the red nose. She just had such a great temperament. Like when you would play with her, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, she she would bite you, but it was always like you know she was aware of herself. Uh, whereas right. This little this little baby pit bull I had, man, that thing was coming at me for blood. All right. Well, the yeah puppy, especially if if and if he was without you know the rest of his his group or or pack, he's going to be kind of lashing out. I'm guessing. You know, depending well, if he's I, taken away early or whatever his trauma might have been. I had him for a, a little while, and it was just like one of those things. Whenever I started trying to play with him, he would just get really aggressive, and I was like, eh, I, don't want, "I don't want that type of dog." 
Damn dog. Well, I meant to talk to you about NFTs. Let me actually get back to this because did <laughs> Sam Bankman Fried fuck up your whole gimmick? Dude, I mean, everything is everything's down right now. You know, like people are like, oh, the NFT space is down. It's like NFTs are down, cryptocurrencies down, freaking stocks are down, you know, inflation's up. Like everything is just not in a great place financially right now. So, uh, you know, I'm still still trucking along, still doing. I I believe in this technology and I believe in the future of this technology uh, so much so that it just I'm not really concerned about whether it's up or down or whatever. Right. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, it's it's the technology is just one piece of it. I mean, the world that I'm building uh, within that technology, I've been building since 2009. And this has just given me another space to do it in. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes, but to answer that's question, some of the, I imagine like, like that's one of the things that would give me faith in that is that, <laughs> It, or, or I believe in any case that you have an artist that is excited, passionate, and is not going to be thwarted by these little ripples. Right. So like sure. anybody that jumped off of the bandwagon now, fuck man, that was a bad choice. Wasn't it for the, for you to follow them. But however, someone like yourself is going to stick with it no matter what, to me, that means that, that community will be strong and its ability to weather you know, bankruptcy, I guess, would be your biggest worry. And that means that you won't be finding bankruptcy because you will always have people investing into this community and this art world. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I heard someone on Joe Rogan the other day was talking about how cryptocurrency is going to zero and Bitcoin's going to go below zero because of, you know, gas charges or something. I was just like, that's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like the only way any of that goes to zero is if absolutely every human who owns it sees zero value in it and it can't and would have it. to then sell it. And if they sold it though, they would, that would, would put value into it. Right. Unless exactly. they sold it for $0, right. And who's going to sell anything. Well, I've, I've lost everything, but man, I can't wait to sell this to somebody and let them have $0. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fucking economist, but I think uh -huh. I just now figured out exactly what I was thinking. It's like, you know, <laughs> how did joe rogan push back on that he didn't on that joe, statement joe's not he's, like <clears throat> joe okay, yeah. he's confused by nfts i'm actually right. one of my uh good friends in the nft space uh joe rogan actually owns one of his nfts but you oh, know wow. i think you know joe's got a, an original beeple crap do you know who beeple crap is uh, uh no beeple crap was the one who probably was you know I don't think he was solely responsible, but he was one of the big points in the shift of NFTs. So he sold an NFT. He does these one a days and he was pretty well known. He's an artist. He was pretty well known prior to the NFT space, but he started selling NFTs and he sold an NFT for $69 million. And that was Ooh. like kind of the beginning that right around then. And you had the crypto punks and you had the Yuga labs, all those guys were all happening around the same time. Um, but that was like the beginning of the the massive wave that went on for until probably I would say uh, May, probably April of last year, um, which was at the same time that the crypto uh, dropped a bit. Yeah, it Is was a right? whole bunch okay. of things. So Yuga Labs, <clears throat> there's a bunch of things. Yuga Labs had a bunch of issues um, with the, they they had their drop the other side, and they had a bunch of uh, issues with their smart contract and gas and all that stuff. And then, of course, um, 
you know, stuff was still following. And then, of course, FTX, once that fell, that was just another devastating blow to the crypto market. And, you know, a lot of these problems that are happening and a lot of the negative press that's coming with it are from bad actors. You know, it's like if a tattoo artist, you know, fucking gave somebody herpetitis, you know, all of a sudden we're all bad. Tat- tattoo artists are dirty, you know? No, like, I follow. Well, I would thing. imagine it actually helps because like it, if if it should drop the price to give more people an entry level that may have at one time wanted to experience it, not right. known enough about it, but now that it's actually fallen in some areas, there's more knowledge to be had about sifting through trustable and not trustable crypto. Yeah. Even if it's not conclusive yet, it's still more knowledge than prior. So right. it gives another entry point for people into a market that we saw blow up. And if like some of those people, even though it blew up and or blew down, I guess, or whatever, some of those people got out at the right fucking time. <laughs> some of those people still, even after watching it blow up and they watch significant amounts of their portions of money get sold or, or go down in value, they still probably sold then, which caused more deflation, but they sold at a profit. You know what I mean? So like they can repurchase at this new lower point and expect to do the same ride again, possibly like the stock market is set up and understood to do. It runs off of people's uh, fickle opinions on products. So like yeah. Twitter, it's probably about time to get in, honestly, like right. uh, Tesla, almost the same. It's, it's taken some really massive hits, I think, but, but, what's been proven is that there is a necessity like like because elon musk you might not believe with his some politics of his or something like that right or positions that he's taken publicly but yet at the same time that doesn't mean that he won't be a success of course and so if if you uh see that twitter drops down and you're like praising it and so excited to see the downfall of them then that's you know that's one thing but if you're not smart enough to buy back in, he's going to be a success or people are going you know, the, the necessity of, uh, of money to make money. Right. Means that eventually that money invested in Twitter will turn back around to a positive. Of course. And you can yeah, take that and ride. Like, and that's the thing is people want to group this whole Elon Musk thing into like him fucking up and all that stuff fact of the matter is is tech stocks in general have dropped i think almost 30 percent you know more than that so it's like even if he even if he was pristine clean and he wasn't saying anything bad or anything and wasn't making a bunch of drama he still would have dropped yeah or it would have been expected that he would drop that 30 which yeah i mean that's not much over what Tesla dropped. Am I wrong? Did they ever get to 47% or something? And they always just like all clickbaity titles, right? Like if you really read it, they'll want to hit you with it at its highest. You know, even though at the point it was at its highest, it still hit several downtrends. You know what I mean? And then it had kind of evened out below its highest. And then it takes a hit. Well, they don't compare it to where it had been at its median. They compare it to where it was at its highest because, of course, that's the best headline. Right. Exactly. I mean, the the markets in general have taken a massive dump uh, across the board, but that's another reason why I'm, I like crypto and 
all that stuff is, you know, Elon's a, it, there's a lot of smart, smart people out there that are involved in crypto and that understand the technology and that, that understand the benefits and potential of that technology. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's a part that most people just don't really can't really wrap their head around. They think of crypto, they think of a bunch of scammers and a bunch of people behind fake profiles doing this. That right. Well, let's think about the stock market. And honestly, what we should also think about is a bunch of scammers and a bunch of manipulators. I mean, laws have been made that are helping govern crypto right now that were yeah. put in place because people were scamming the New York Stock Exchange and, uh, you know, and, and still doing who is even uh, Martha Stewart. Right. Isn't All right. Isn't she one of them that did just that on the stock exchange? So. Uh, we shouldn't be surprised that similar things would happen on any other monetary platform. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to happen. And, and, you know, of course some people were like, no regulation, but it, you know, I think the I feel more comfortable in the space with some regulations. Cause I mean, there's a lot of people I know that have lost lots of money because of FTX and their inability to, uh, to run their business correctly you know, they didn't have the amount of money in reserves to uh, counterbalance all the investments that they had. And therefore, once they were overextended, then next thing you know, they just com completely com collapsed and lots of people lost a ton. I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars were lost. Well, wasn't it also that once they got overextended, they tried to keep covering it up by extending themselves by overextending themselves further? Wasn't there also something like that? Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of weird. It's very weird. That whole scenario okay. is very weird. But I, you know, I haven't fully investigated that either. I mean, me too. I'm waiting for it because right now it's all just going to be not all of it, but there's going to be so much clickbait yeah. that it's people who just want you to feel one way or the other about it. So yeah. I figured I'll wait until it goes through the courts a little bit, and and we'll have some. Um, Evidence, some backed up evidence, some proof based evidence or something. If you follow, you ever seen that dude talk? Sam, no. Free, whatever. If you look mm -hmm. at him talk, I mean, he just he he reminds me of of just you know a normal nerdy kid. Like I just, it's weird because I mean I guess he could be this like evil mastermind whatever, <laughs> but I feel like he's just some nerdy kid who fucking did really yeah. really well and then just made a bunch of mistakes and you know I tend not to believe in. Uh, evil masterminds sure yeah i mean I, I believe in greed and i believe that greed sometimes has a conspiratorial effect mm -hmm. you know or oftentimes has a conspiratorial effect maybe it's not a conspiracy but it's always the conspiracy is individuals have aligned themselves finding that they could possibly become rich or satisfy their greed inside of this illegal or questionable vehicle right. not that people got together and like listen we're gonna fuck the whole world up <laughs> well there are apparently i think i don't think it's like that specifically but um i was listening to uh jordan peterson the other day mm -hmm. he was talking on the joe about, rogan then i know he's been on it yeah and it was very interesting you know can i also say he seems like a real asshole is that fair to say <laughs> Like you I know, know that I, he, he might like be treated old... poorly, but he is also an asshole, right? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like when I hear him talk, I hear you know he seems like he really knows what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. He seems well, very. When Sports calm. Illustrated comes out with a plus size model, 
I don't feel any necessity to comment about right. my feelings if if they're being negative. And so like this thing has brought him a lot of attention and he has gotten the attention off of his negative attitudes towards things that people in society in certain elements of society find positive or want to find positive. Sure. And it, it So I feel like his amplification has come from a very negative standpoint and it is not. And then I hear him talk and I'm like, OK, I see what you're saying. But then I think, well, all this is because you wanted to express your personal held belief and you did so as a psychologist. I get it. You know, like if if I believed that a tattoo artist was that a licensed tattoo artist was doing things that made it harder for me as a licensed tattoo artist to convince people that, you know, my practices are safe or whatever. Um, and there's no differentiation between the license and there's no censorship or something like that coming from it or, uh, you know, like condemnation, like, Kyle, you shouldn't be doing this or, you know, tattoo artist, you're fucking up. I can understand how I would perceive that or want some action against it. And so the only action that the licensing body would have is to threaten his license, whether that be legal right i don't know but whether he's an asshole seems like he's pretty staunchly a fucking asshole like i get it your opinion is that's not cool uh that's your opinion well and i think you know i don't from what i understand with him and i'm not a, a massive supporter of him but when i have listened to him he is very deeply rooted in psychology and the psychology of uh, certain things that are happening via laws that are being made or different things that people are saying or doing that uh, can have a negative effect on society as a whole. And so that's where his standpoint is right. on a lot of But when stuff. it comes down to two words, not beautiful, then it definitely doesn't, it doesn't have that context. Yeah. I, I don't In know. My, like, I'm not familiar with that particular text like i said i'm not sticking up for it was him. just some some plus size model or possibly it was a transgender model and uh he just said not beautiful now it probably echoes back to his beliefs about how it may be harming sections of of society or whatever sure um but it wasn't stated in that and it gives me as a i'm taking a big step here okay and i'm just defending the licensing body <laughs> i'm not this isn't how i feel but if i am the licensing body or if i'm a practitioner practitioner of therapy right and i want to help people of that community and then they now get the idea that there is a stigma attached to them inside of the community that i offer them help they don't want to be a part of that they don't want to come to me and get that help they feel like there is an idea that they are not supported in here so why would they come here yeah. I mean, dude, I, you know, that's the other thing that I feel like I've, I've had this conversation multiple times in these scenarios. Is it, is it, and I said this earlier uh, in this podcast was, is it possible for both people to be a hundred percent right and disagree? <laughs> I and think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you, if you look at it from, um, you know, I don't know, I don't want to talk about this stuff too much, but if you look at it from one person's perspective, you know, they are a hundred percent valid in their opinions and feelings on why they feel the certain way yeah. they are or that they're feeling same thing and even the sometimes side. backed up by science and evidence that that yeah. we may have not determined conclusive 
but that they are able to put together as a belief structure that has science and evidence. So we can't well, necessarily say they're wrong either. Here's a here's a, a very easy one. You know, when when you say Black Lives Matter, 100%, we can say that's a fact. If you say all lives matter, 100%, you can say that as a fact. The, you know, when, when someone says Black Lives Matter, and then another person says all lives matter on top of that, they're being insensitive to the, uh, right. the initial concern, right? Well, one is being redundant too. The, like, like if, if you say, if, if a person says black lives matter and your answer is all lives matter, you're kind right. of being redundant. And also you're overlooking a hundred percent. You're, it's not very respectful to the thought. I'm not saying to you, you're not acknowledging. So it's like, if I said, you know, uh, my leg hurts and you're like, well, both of my legs hurt. It's like, you know, it's like, well, can I get some, some acknowledgement for the fact that I just told you my leg hurt? So, but anyways, my point is, is like both of those statements are a hundred percent true, right? It's just about yes. the, the insensitive, uh, insensitivity of, of saying it at certain times uh, when someone else is, is hurt, you know, like both of my legs could hurt, but the last thing I'm going to do when you tell me your leg hurts is to say both of my legs hurt. Because I'm like, well, this is this is a person who's who's speaking to me and talking about their issues. Right. Why the fuck would I start talking about my issues when they're Except talking? Except that I might have a solution that I've found for my legs hurting, and then I would offer it in constructive. Sure, like maybe one time my leg hurt too, and then I just went and got went got some cream and rubbed it on there, and it got turmeric and pepper for your knees right there. There you go, turmeric and pepper. Turmeric and pepper. Okay. That's what they say. The pepperine helps it go to the small intestine or through the small intestine to the large intestine where it gets 2,300% more absorption. I'm making that number up, but it's in the thousands. <sighs> blah, blah, blah. It's so crazy, <laughs> all this health stuff. The all um, health stuff. Yeah, well, God bless it. We're crazy. Uh, can I get to some Redditor questions? We should probably let you get back to your day. I know you got some busy, busy businessness yeah, of man. creating yeah. a whole universe. I got Still. nothing. I got nothing to do, man. The crypto market's down. I'm just sitting here waiting for it to come back up. <laughs> yeah, you're not creating anymore, huh? That that <laughs> happened as soon as uh, Sam Bankman Fried got sued. Yeah, well, like, I was like, all right, well, I'm not drawing. It was my <laughs> passion for creating. <laughs> there's my there's my art career is gone. Fuck! <laughs> I didn't realize what a dick he really was then. Now <laughs> now I really see the level. I'm kidding. Uh, Lucky Waters A O three asks uh i remember the judges giving jesse a lot of grief for embracing his own new school style i.e giving go googly eyes to everything does he feel like the judges were biased against new school and if so how does he feel the judges gave new school more respect as the seasons wore on did they give you more respect in season seven man i you know i felt like they i never really felt like they disrespected me or I, I felt like they appreciated what i was doing but i just don't think they quite understood it and and the one thing that that definitely answered that question was when we had new school the new school challenge um they actually asked me a, a couple questions and then the they were i remember them specifically saying well new school doesn't have any rules so you know you could just do whatever you want and i was just like it's so far from the truth. <laughs> so uh, i i think it was just more uh, of a, an understanding thing and to be honest if i was a judge on that show prior to being on that show that show forced me into doing tattoos like traditional tattoos and japanese tattoos right. and stuff that i would never do i never have done 
if I was a judge on that show and Oliver Peck or Chris Nunez came on there and they were doing Japanese stuff, I probably would have had a similar thought process that they did. You know, it's like, this is a style that I'm not into. If I felt like those styles were superior to the style I was doing, I would probably move in that direction. But, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, what about weird. that though? Would you would never say that, uh, yeah. that, you know, well, there's no rules to, you know, traditional tattooing. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I would say prior to actually doing traditional tattoos, I probably would have maybe not said that exact, that exact thing, but uh-huh. I would have said something probably just as dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like basically traditional tattoos are just, you take a cool tattoo and then you make it stupid. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> I, I, re- I used to say stuff like, you know, and this is going to probably go over horribly, but I used to say, you know, drawing traditional tattoos, you basically just have to shut your brain off and, and forget everything that you know about art. And, <laughs> you know, and like, that's, that's what I felt like. And even when I was drawing, you know, on season two, I think it was the second episode or I can't remember which one it was when I was drawing, I was like, I can't do any three quarter. I can't do any light source. I can't do any perspective. Like I can't do any of the things that we see on a normal basis in life on right studio, you know and right like, and they had me doing the world trade centers in traditional and i'm like well there's no <laughs> reference of the world trade centers in traditional tattooing so um but yeah i mean you know i i don't think I kinda, they hated it but i just don't think they had a, a lot of respect for it i love that they thought there would be no like to me if there are no rules then does it also mean that we could call your traditional tattoo? Since there are no real rules, we could also call this traditional tattoo a new school. We could call your traditional oriental tattoo new school. We could call tribal tattoos new school. There's no rules. That's like, a very good perspective that, or interesting I, perspective that I agree with. I can't understand how a defined thing could not have rules. Like it, like you, and also, I guess I'm more perplexed over the thought that the people making determinations on this would have such a limited, a Dunning-Kruger effect, if you will, for, for, uh, you know, this new school. You found like, you're the judge motherfucker. Like you should probably have some idea of the rules of new school. Sure. Yeah. And you know, (laughs) Chris Nunez had some, you know, he had a graffiti background, so he should have been able to like appreciate it at some capacity. I think, mm-hmm. I think he, I, I don't know, like I said, and I'm sure you felt this at some capacity too. It's like the judges were jerks sometimes, but for the most part, they, they were, they were really respectful and cool to me for the I most think they part. were trying to do their job for sure. Yeah. I yeah. didn't in season four, I became angered because it, some obvious change had occurred that I had no control over. You know, and and you could see it, and through certain judging aspects, you're just like, it's really obvious, you know, like way obvious. And so, like, I'm getting it from other contestants, and usually you're not having other contestants come up to you and be like, why are they uh, straight up being dicks to you? Like, (laughs) it don't even make sense. And then as I would maybe make reference to it, I remember it was one time Sausage had said on there, uh, he's like, Kyle, you're always like, the judge is this, the judge is that. You always think they're after you. You fucking get over it, right? Very next fucking critique, we all come back up. And he's like, goddamn, Kyle, I just think, well, he didn't say goddamn. He's like, I just think these judges, I don't know why, they just got something out for you. Like completely 
changed his perspective, you know, within an episode because he was kind of because he, he had to look, you know, he's like, man, Kyle, you keep saying this. I haven't seen it. And then when he actually looked at it, it was like, yeah, it's pretty fucking obvious, man. They, they pissed at you. They, yeah. they want you to fight back is what I ended up realizing. And then I'm like, okay, well, this is the way we fight. But you know, man, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know how much they were getting paid, but I know they were getting paid well. And if Five were- grand an episode for season three, 10 grand an episode for Navarro. So that's 20 grand a week for Navarro and 10 grand a week for Nunez and Ali. And I believe and it went up. For sure. So let's just say that, right? You're getting all this, all this money from the producers or the people who produce the show the last thing you want to do is stray too far from what they're trying to do, you know, and you, and I'm sure their contract probably says something along the lines of, Hey, you're not a, you know, this is, you're a character. You're not a, a, like a real life judge, you know, like you're a character in this show that we're producing and we need you to do this, that, or whatever. Like, I just find it. I mean, dude, how many times did you do a great tattoo and they kind of, trimmed it back a little bit and then you did a shitty tattoo and they pulled it up a little bit did you ever feel that i hate it like it yeah yeah because it made you think at one level sure my it it might give me some idea that hey all the times you lost really wasn't so bad on you right because you know there's this judging skew and then but then when it happens on the time that you win and you're like fuck Right. Like I wanted yeah. to believe the win was worth something, but now I realize maybe it was just somebody else it was a bad day for them to win. Or yeah. Or they were, they were pulling strings, you know, like, and he, like I said, I saw it happen to Sarah multiple times where it's like, Sarah was like poised to win and they would make her lose just cause they knew it was going to drive her nuts. And then, <laughs> and then it would be the opposite. She'd be like, I'm going home. I'm going home today. And then they'd be like, Tattoo of the day. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and then she her brain was like flipping all over the place. They really loved to torment her. Uh yeah. we know because we got it back from they talked about her in season three, and I believe also in season four, kind of behind the scenes. And then she showed up on season three, I think, too. And and they were again like against her so like there was even in judgment right even in judgment they're like because i picked her to tattoo and uh they're like why why would you pick uh you know they didn't they didn't it never got in the edit but basically they said why would you pick somebody insane that we obviously don't like (laughs) wow and uh i mean they were talking about her on this bus ride in in very disparaging ways um like like uh I don't know, the stuff that was relatively uncalled for, like it honestly made you feel more uncomfortable around them because you imagine seasons to come back, they'll be talking about me just as easily, you know, and with no kind of respect or honor uh, or integrity about it, they're just having fun at the expense of a former contestant. Well, that, yeah. the same same kind of went with that fucking, um, when she came back, they they, they hounded her. They didn't like her. I think they had personal grievance against somebody so young, female, and talented. And Are you then found about the judges. Yes, I think they oh, they. Yeah. I think they felt you know because she she out tattoo any of those oh, right. 
I remember when she got kicked <laughs> off season seven for that uh, Bill Clinton portrait. And everybody was like, oh, it's too dark. I'm like, listen, if there's anybody here that I would trust that that they know what the hell's going to happen with this tattoo, it's her. I'm like, she is, she is a freaking, she's an awesome artist and amazing. Did artist. you see it healed? Yeah, it looked, it looked perfect. It was like a Ralph yes. Nonbottle portrait. Yes. <laughs> yes. And there's two yeah. ways you can tattoo on that show, I think. I mean, some lower extremities tattoos show off redness more. Sure. You know, because yeah. of the blood Dude, pressure just getting down and up. I'm not going to try to defend my portrait, but so much. But when my portrait healed, it didn't look half as bad as it did when it was uh, when it was fresh. You know, I was tattooing. I was tattooing as if the tattoo was going to live on this person forever versus tattooing so that the judges could see a good tattoo. Yeah, that makes sense. And I changed yeah. that when I was on season seven. I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta approach this differently. They are more interested in how the tattoo looks at today than they are, you know, mm-hmm. two, even two weeks after this. It's like there are some people you're like, dude, I know that that shit is not gonna heal. Like it's like all they tore it up, but they don't. Yeah, you know. Well, best uh, the portrait on season four for us. Um, I'm, I run into the guy, and he's got work by Pineda. He's got work by Sarah Miller. Uh, Sarah Miller did like a Superman on his back of his thigh, right? So like a super hard place to heal, you know, super detailed, uh, highly worked color like Sarah does, healed beautifully. And then on his uh, thigh, in one of the easier places to heal, you know, you're not sitting on it, you know, on the top of the thigh. He has this Wolverine tattoo and the whole face is missing. It looks more like an invisible man. And But that was the one that won that day. And originally, like, if I were to see it, I would say this guy, and I actually said it to him. I was like, man, you can't hold that tag because you didn't know how to heal that tattoo. You did a poor job of healing it. And that's when he started showing me his other work by other artists. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, Sarah definitely should have stayed on season seven longer um yeah but once again yeah you, you're watching it happen you're watching certain people hanging out way longer than they should and then other people leaving way sooner than they should uh and then you realize that it's a tv show and you know yeah. but you know how did you feel about sebastian then being there um because it was up to you and sebastian going home wasn't it yeah 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 i mean then- you know i don't i don't dislike sebastian but I, I did think it was pretty nuts. I mean, I had won almost everything up to that point, like whether it was like either I won it or I was in second place, um, but I had almost everything. And Sebastian hadn't made a mark anywhere. So I felt like at that point, you know, if they were going off of the report card, uh, which they were for like the first, all the, all the episodes up until that yeah. It's funny that some of them they'll say that, right? Yeah. Like we're throwing the report cards out, and you're like, "What's the purpose of that? Except to send somebody home that's quiet or that doesn't deserve it." Exactly. Yeah, and it's you know, if it was a real competition, you would have to take into consideration everything that they've done prior up to that point. You know, right. you can't sit there and say every 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 episode is a complete restart. You know, because if a, if someone, for example, has won everything. And then another person has lost everything and then just right. happens to beat them in this other one. It's like, well, basically you're saying it's the problem with family, the family feud problem. 
Is that what they do on Family Feud? Well, yeah. You ever notice they double the scores, so it's still anybody's game. You're like, well, what were the first three rounds for? Really? We just, you know, played the last round. You couldn't win even if you did win the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. You still got a chance to win. Like, well, what the fuck? Yeah, I guess I'm one of those You're You're one of the what? I'm one of those sheeple. I just watched the show for face value. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Oh. Right on. You know me, I think about too much till it pains me. Um, but extrovert wallflower, they would like to know, uh, or they ask, why did you feel doing a different style, even when you did it well, wasn't being yourself? I understand you're an amazing artist, but why did it bother you so much to brand show? And they have another question here too, but I'll let you answer that first. Yeah, it wasn't even about the style. It was like, you know, I, I went on that. I'm, I'm an illustrator and I, I design all my tattoos from scratch from my head or, you know, I might use reference and stuff like that. But that particular one that he's probably or she's probably talking about um, is Asian what, one. Or- yeah, the Asian one. And it, and it was it was I basically just traced something and tattooed it. And it's like in my mind, I, it wasn't about the style. It was about in order to in order to win that that particular genre i had like you you couldn't have if i had drawn it out of my head i would have lost you know yeah. and at that point that, that was very clearly established but i did it was such a struggle in my brain to like do that because i hadn't traced anything in forever like you know just straight up tracing something it was just i would say that probably i don't know if i i, I probably shouldn't have worded it and said i felt like a sellout or whatever i just <laughs> I felt um, I felt like I was I was moving backwards artistically. By... Like anybody could have done that tattoo. There was yeah. nothing that you put into it that wasn't absolutely a, nothing. A just technical learning. But right. that is also, as I've understood it, a goal of um, Asian art is to be lost. That the artist would actually be lost. And that there be no identity or special uniqueness about this, but instead that it could easily be matriculated and you'd be like, oh, I don't know, anybody could have done that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, it's just, it, it was never an interest of mine. You know, I, I spent the first, I don't know, 10-ish years, of probably less than that, but a good substantial part of my earlier career tracing and coloring things in. And I always, in my mind, the the artists that were above that, the next step up was to create your own tattoos and your own art. So I almost yeah. felt like I was taking a step back artistically by by doing that. So it wasn't that I, it wasn't that it was, it, I was happy with the tattoo and it didn't have anything to do with the style. It was just the fact that if you're doing a traditional Asian tattoo, then you have no choice but to essentially do what's already created. Yeah, yes. you not even recreate. You can't recreate. You have to do what's been done. If you go too far outside of that box, then it's no longer traditional Japanese. Uh, other than yourself and, of course, Jimmy, uh, extrovert, also asks, uh, who do you think is the best new school artist on Ink Master? Yeah. Have you paid attention? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Kelly was Kelly's still is an amazing yeah. uh, new school tattoo artist. Kelly Dottie, right? Is yeah, it Do- Dottie or Dodie? She won't tell you. She's she's <laughs> I've asked her a couple of times. She's like, I can't tell you. She's I think that's one of her weird little quirks. Okay. Um, well, I don't know. She likes a lot of striped things like uh Tim Burton kind of style. I would if I saw more dot work in her 
artwork. I would think that it was Dottie, you know, I, I would think that she might try to have like those sand snakes, but with dots instead of stripes. Is it one T or two T's? I can't remember. I think it's two. If it's two T's, I think it has to be Dottie, right? Yeah, I don't know. It depends. Uh, we'll have to hyphen it. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get her on the show. I'm going to ask her and then she can give me the same crappy answer. Like, ha, ha, yeah. ha, I've got a secret. Yeah. All right. Odd historian 4692, which is also his password, just heads up, um, says, uh, can you share any insight into your creative process and how did you develop your style? I like this question because uh, I think I know some of the answers. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's very similar to, to you and a lot of artists, but yeah, I started off my artistic career just copying everything. You know, I would copy uh, skateboard designs i'd copy you know um dungeons and dragons back in the days and garbage pail kids and stuff like that just copying 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 a bunch of graffiti stuff and then eventually uh, i started to you know learn how to do these shapes and stuff uh without looking at things and then you know came into my i, I guess my own style i never really thought i had a style until people started saying it and even when people started saying it i didn't really believe it um, because I was like, well, they're just not fully aware of, you know, of, of, of what this genre entails, you know, cause there uh -huh. were people at that particular point in time in the tattoo world that were doing new school tattoos, you know, and I had come fresh out of the graffiti world. So it was like kind of a normal style in my mind. And you didn't even feel that it was new school as I understood it. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I didn't even, I, I always, I thought it was odd that it was called new school in the tattoo world because it was just cartoons, you know, and, um, and then, you know, it's, it's it was kind of like Disney, just a little more cranked out. And that's where I think like, <clears throat> you know, probably the, the graffiti world started taking that, tweaking it out a little bit further. And then when I got in the tattoo world, they're like, oh, it's new school. And it's like, shit, if you look at any Jimmy Litwalk's tattoos, I mean, they, they look like they could be in a a disney movie you know right um, but yours yours as well look like they could be animated for i don't know if it'd be disney maybe pixar yeah yeah i always think of my stuff a little more edgy like ren and stimpyish um you know okay but push yeah. the shiny red button yeah yeah right um but you know i i feel like jimmy's got such a such a palatable style i mean it's really easy to digest um, what do you feel about developing your own style? Did did you um? Was it you just picked up pieces that you were copying? And you're like, well, this is mine, or did you actually did you strive to or work towards having something that was unique? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever like sought to have a style. You know what I mean? I I sought to. Like in the earlier part of my career, I remember I'd see something, <clears throat> you know, I, I, at that point in time, I was drawing kind of my own thing, but I would see something that was done and I'd be like, Ooh, I want to try to do that. And I'd say quote unquote in my own style. But really what I'm saying is I'm drawing this and I'm going to try to bend it a little bit further. Um, <clears throat> and over time I, I, but even still, man, I mean, I, I think anybody, if they truly are honest with themselves will admit the fact that their quote unquote style is derivatives from a ton of their inspirations. Um, there's, I don't think anybody truly has like 
something that's so far outside the box that it doesn't it doesn't look like anything, you know. Did you see Russ Abbott talking about using Chat GPT, I believe it's called, to design tattoos? Yeah, I think he was either using Mid Journey or Stable Diffusion. Uh, Chat GPT, I don't, as far as I know, it doesn't do images; it does stories and, and writing okay. right now. But I'm not okay. positive. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I saw I saw a quick clip, and then my phone cut off on me. But um, but yeah, yeah, that's the, I dude, that's the future, man, and I. I feel like we could have a whole conversation about that. Like, well, I'm wondering what's next uh, from your perspective. Cause I, I also <laughs> saw that they ha now have bandages where you can put this bandage on and get a painless tattoo. Um, it's not designed yet to have anything beyond a medical purpose, but if that can be created soon enough, it seems that there may be an interest in creating copy machines that would make these bandages that you would apply and then you would have a tattoo simply from applying bandages interesting yeah i haven't seen that at all man um yeah i haven't seen that at all but i am pretty concerned about this whole ai art thing you know i think it, it would change our lives yeah i mean i i think you know us is i mean i never i haven't heard about the bandage thing but artistically I think the art world is definitely uh, in trouble at, at some capacity. The creative world in general is in trouble right now. Uh, well, if that happens, wouldn't you also, <clears throat> I would think that there's a society in general, because once we start giving our art up to computers, we're going to be giving larger portions of ourselves up to them too. Our whole soul. I'm going to say it. Like I believe art is a representation of a society's soul. And then if it is then represented by computers, which is like lack of soul, then we'll be going to a more soulless life. Or, you know, if you could think about it like this, you know, as far as I understand, when it comes to AI, it's essentially scraping the internet. And a lot of the really cool art that's coming out is getting scraped from some of these good art sites. So it's like a conglomeration of, of a bunch of souls uh, that that it create that okay. still soul, yeah. not not an individual soul to the thousandth power, right? Ten thousandths. Dude, have you messed with it at all? It's like it's it's crazy. Mm. I put together twenty fucking pieces of art in less than fucking fifteen minutes that I feel like are better than anything I've ever drawn. You're shitting me. It, with, with what? On a, some stupid little app that I'm I've got. It's called um. <clears throat> let me see what it's called. It's called Dream. Uh, I think it's by a company called Wombo or something like that. And, this and so is what, what do you do to get this artwork that you've created? I just go in there and like, the, so the one I'm talking about, I just did a bunny. I was like, let me do a bunny. And so I wrote uh, a bunny with uh, big eyes, big head, little body, and I want it to be teal. And then it gives you a couple and you can change your style. You can, uh, if you're not really liking what's happening with it, you can change mm. your prompt. Um, but this is like a simple little app. You go into like mid journey or stable diffusion, those guys, you can get in there and just really crank some stuff down. And it is, I mean, you know, figure out who your favorite artist is and, and I probably could create what they're doing at some capacity, uh, in probably less than an hour. That does give some amount of dread. 
<laughs> I, I just scary. enjoyed taking a little bit of time. It took me a, way longer than it should have, um, but I've been working on several things while, uh, but to make a Milton's frozen ketchup logo for uh, our imaginary sponsor, Milton's <laughs> frozen ketchup. And I, I come away with something I'm really happy with. It's not necessarily what I would think is my style and it's easy to put on a shirt. Anyways, I now also realize that I probably could have just in an app easily said, I want a picture of a frozen cup of ketchup or something, you know, like a, a jello mm -hmm. pudding of frozen ketchup with a spoon in it and the logo Milton's frozen ketchup. And I probably could have found all kinds of different variations of that. I don't know. It's a, uh, I enjoyed it. See, it, it feels like it's going to take a lot of the enjoyment out of practicing art well not to mention the fact that it's going to reduce the value because i've got friends mm. out there who are creating projects and rather than reaching out to an artist they are uh <laughs> i just right. pulled, i just created the the ketchup thing that you wanted me to create <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty you have to send me a couple of those yeah I'll, I'll send it to you right now um but anyways you know they're doing these projects and it's like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, their, their artwork is awesome. And I'm just like, dude, yeah. You know, I look at it and it makes me have that feeling that I have that I think we all have when we see a good piece of artwork, I'm like, that's great. And this person can't draw their way out of a wet paper bag. Like it, it's, it's nuts. And imagine all these like realism artists, the ones that do like color realism or black and gray, gray realism, mm. they they don't have to go searching the internet for reference anymore. They can go to one of these apps. They can type in, you know, whatever portrait of Brad Pitt uh, eating a popsicle and it'll make it and it'll look just like them. And it's just, it's, wow. it's nuts, man. <clears throat> right. That really paves the way more for recreation artists than creative artists. Right. To, exactly. to succeed further in the industry. Like yeah. I have to, like, I'm trying to regress. I'm trying to get rid of my, my colored ink. And uh, it sounds like I really have to learn how to apply it better as opposed to just not. <laughs> I would That's, say uh, if I was going to recommend to artists moving forward, it's like, definitely don't try to like, try to get involved in this technology as much as you right. can. Because if you don't, I think it's just going to big time. I mean, I think out of all the things that, you know, we've throughout history, we've had these things where it's like, we're kind of like moving forward and then something happens like the internet. And then we just kind of shoots us up and then we're moving kind of forward a little bit and then something else happens and it shoots us up. I think we're at one of those places right now with AI. It's like in the, in, in the next five years, AI is going to- I've heard of everything. AI being used to, or about to be used to defend somebody in a courtroom as a lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, dude, that chat GPT, it passed mm. the bar the other day, you know, like the, the, <laughs> the law school test, yeah. remember? It passed yeah. it. All they did is just presented questions to it and it answered those questions and, and it passed. So like, when does it get legislative power or representation inside of our Congress? I, I don't know, dude. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. We're heading into some territory now that I don't even know any of us can actually understand. Have you right. seen any of these deep fakes? Uh, video, you mean? 
That's all yeah, I've like, seen is videos of people that you're like, yeah, that looks like you could easily think that that was so-and-so saying such and such. Did you see the one with Morgan Freeman? Uh-uh. Man, Spot on. Was, it's crazy, dude. Like his voice, his looks, everything. It's perfect. And imagine this, dude. So if, should, we, should we all just die? I don't know. Suddenly I have a thought. Let's just kill ourselves, the whole planet. Let's just <laughs> give it over to AI. At one point, it's powerful enough. We're no longer needed. I mean, you know, if you're if you're involved in the internet, then these are things that I think are very disturbing because the fact of the matter is, is if let's just say Joe Biden passed away today, they don't even have to tell you. They could do a deep fake. Freaking Obama could could do Dude, the deep fake. There's thing. some people that believe that's already going on. Like there was a football player that fell down during a game. Uh, uh, then it was imagined right right away. That he, would you say hold on? No, no. I said I saw that. Okay, yeah, and then they imagined right away that it was a some you know conspiracy. People jumped on to well, he got vaccinated, so it wasn't the hit that stopped his heart. Obviously, he had uh, some problem with the COVID vaccine, and then after he was cleared and back to it, there's still some hold-ons to that theory, who are now saying that they have hired a body double and put him in his place. <laughs> nice. Yeah, now, man, that's got to be pluralistic ignorance, if I was to imagine. It's a large portion of people believe in that. But I guess there's still some people that are like, no, body double. That's why I can't watch that shit, though, dude. Because then I'm like, well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you know, like, I, I was, I, I don't really mess with Twitter, but I've been messing with it a lot now that I'm in the Web3 space. And <laughs> I, you know, I get these little things that pop up. And, and then uh, there's this hashtag, um, uh, shit, died suddenly or something like that. Mm -hmm. I guess it's about the vaccine or whatever. And I start watching these videos and I'm like, I got to stop watching this shit, man. Cause it's Cause just there's something to it. I'm going to die. I got the vaccine. I'm dying. I mean, I didn't get vaccinated, but, um, no. but it just, it just freaks me out. Like watching that shit. And it does, I think it sucks people in and you know, who knows what the positive or negative implications of that are. And, and if there's any benefit to it, it's like, you know, let's just say that it's true. You know, let's just say that, you know, one out of every, you know, 500,000 people die from the shot, you know, if I or have was, complications that are life threatening. Yeah. Or have complications. If I was the president or a higher being and I had, and I, and I knew that people taking the shot was going to kill less people than, than, it, than, right. than it, then I would probably run some sort of conspiracy to hide that evidence as much as possible, knowing that in the end I'm doing something good because I'm protecting more people by a follow. But yeah, and does that give us an idea into possibly the inspiration behind M. Night Shyamalan's latest film, Knock at the Cabin, where uh I guess some people stumble upon a cabin and once they find it, the people that are already residing there explain they have to sacrifice one of their family members to avoid the world going into apocalyptic state. Yeah. And every moment that they don't kill off one of their family members as a sacrifice. It, I don't know. That almost seems. Is this uh, podcast sponsored by this movie? Is that it a should plug? Be. Is that That's, a plug? Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. James Gunn just gave me some money for this. That's, uh, he's <laughs> yeah. like, we got to fight against avatar. Oh, it's not James Gunn. Oh, I'm sorry. M night Shyamalan. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't know. It, it seems like the thoughts kind of could follow the same logics. 
you know yeah no man i mean it's have you ever watched that that uh that show 24 with Kiefer sutherland oh no 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 by something jack bauer so jack bauer i do know that but i've never watched it i remember watching it and being like you know because prior that was a long time ago but i remember in my mind being like yeah everything's black or white and then you watch that <laughs> show and you realize there's so much gray out there. There's way more gray out there than is black and white. And, you know, with, with decision-making, if I was a president mm-hmm. and I was getting hit with these two different decisions, one, you know, letting an atomic bomb go off in New York city or, you know, two saving my daughter, it's like, shit, you know, like <laughs> I don't really, you know, it wasn't exactly that, that. No, easy. no, I follow. But, but, sometimes they can your your decisions everybody's decision actually i believe comes down to so many multifaceted thoughts that it is impossible necessarily to pin down a conspiracy to these one ideas do you follow like that what you're talking about is the thing that makes me believe the least in single-minded evil person conspiracies sure really like we all intend to do this evil mm. for the good of doing evil <laughs> right. it's easier to believe that a lot of people who inspired by their own selfish greed have aligned their causes together in a way that will seem as though and even be a conspiracy but not have an intended negative result just have an intended positive result only for them with consequences that that they don't care about for the, you know, they may recognize there'll be consequences that people will say that's conspiracy. They wanted to do this, to do that. Well, I mean, I'll take that even further. Like, you know, you run a tattoo shop or you have, right. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you been accused of doing this, that, or whatever for nefarious reasons, because, you know, from an artist who was, who's not seeing the full picture and I've, been accused of it almost you know tons of times i was accused of breaking of um trying to break into an artist's locked room uh and i don't know what he thought the intended purpose was he wasn't necessarily saying it was me somebody at the shop was and so he wanted to get his stuff out of there for the weekend to tattoo on his friends at home but uh still he had to make up this story about that you know and then imagine conspiracy and he, funny part was it's like you're the only person in here that has a lock <laughs> yeah right <laughs> no one else has it just happened this this shop has one room that has a lock on it and that that was determined to be your room and now you're going to try and say that people like no one else's shit's even being fucked with yeah well, and, and they know. could and in, in money too, people look at it and they're like, oh, he's bringing in the zillion dollars and, you know, he's only paying us this much or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, if you sit there and you think about it simply and you're like, okay, his rent is this much and then he should have this much left over. It's like, there's tons of other things that money gets spent on. Yes. Uh, yes. Never know, looked at. Right. You know, and it's especially like, marketing campaigns. Yeah. The one part that is always overlooked is your attempt as the shop owner to make sure that the people working for you are never hungry. Right. And like, well, but you, yeah, you spend money to market, but that's like, and they imagine it like helps, like it somehow satisfies your ego or it all goes to you. And you're like, you know, we all benefit from this shit, you know, the rising tide kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. So yeah, I mean, at a at a micro uh, scale, you know, we're we're sitting here running a tattoo shop and we're seeing it happen, right? We're seeing, mm-hmm. and even when I worked in other tattoo shops and I was looking at the owner and how the owner was spending their money and you know, thinking in my own head that this, that, or whatever was happening. It's like, imagine that at a fucking scale of 320 million uh, million people, you know, like, right. Like that's going to be way worse than in a little teeny tattoo. Shop. As much as I hope, I hate to quote Joe Rogan, uh, quote Joe Rogan is that's too many fucking people. <laughs> like you can't, but he, he was making a joke about being president and he's like, he wanted Hillary to be, to win so he could prove that a woman couldn't do it either. It's just too many fucking people to try and organize and to take care of and to think about. Can't even imagine, dude, whenever anybody talks shit about the president or whoever it might be and the government and all this shit, I'm just like, dude, I can barely run my tattoo shop, much less try to run a fucking country. Like I do occasionally hear that we should have yeah. less politicians and politics and i'm one of the few people i think that believes we should have politicians in there we should just strive to make sure they're good you know like i feel like uh you don't just just because like you've been screwed over by a plumber this is my analogy all the time it doesn't mean you should hire a circus clown to fix your toilet right yeah sure i think you know uh i've heard it multiple times before the people who are in politics typically aren't the best of the best you know we've we've got some really amazing people out there um who are very qualified but they're too busy doing you know getting paid lots of money uh to do what they do instead of going into government and getting paid very little i think some uh do end up in the government but then get overlooked very easily by you know those loud voices that will overshadow them. I uh, I don't know. So far, I've always I've been a hero, or, or she's been a hero of mine. Is that little Katie Porter and her chalkboard, or whatever her whiteboard, where she kind of takes CEOs, large corporations, tries to hold them accountable, and then realizes that they, you know, they're well backed by paying the right politicians in the room, and so no real legislative uh, recourse will be taken against them. But at least for a moment, she can have a good Twitter response where this substitute teacher looking lady uh, just breaks down math for you, you know? Yeah, I've never seen that, but it sounds interesting. It's it's generally good. I mean, she's not some things that I like, right? Like some people we can imagine they're ego driven and it's easier to see that when they recognize the necessity of, you know, the suit and tie and the presentation. Right. Those politicians that are well polished, um, I'm not generally a big fan of because obviously they've spent easily as much time on figuring out their image and their appearance to me as they have real things that should matter or integrity. And then there's people like Cater Porter. You're like, Pitts, do you even own a good looking wardrobe? Like you're making some money now, ain't you? But to counter <laughs> to counter that, dude, like I mean, you went to art school, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, I didn't. No. Oh, okay. I mean, school of art, art knocks, I guess. On it. When in art school, they one of the things that they'll teach you is you know presentation uh, is is super important. And so, mm-hmm. presenting your artwork, you know, as a crumbled up piece of paper, it could be the best piece of artwork in the world, but it's on a crumpled piece of paper. If you take a mediocre piece of artwork and you stick it in a nice gold frame and you know, get it all ironed out and everything, then that's going to get more. So 
you know, I, I, <clears throat> I wish I was, a, <clears throat> I wish I was one of those people that cared more about the way I looked. Cause I do feel like that initial presentation will get you a little further. Mm-hmm. Have that. And the other thing then I think that, that, you know, obviously that's, that's awesome. God bless him. Candy already rolled her eyes at me. So why? I know Too I'm long. trying to be dead. She's like, you're boring, Kyle. <laughs> but let's talk about uh the tattoo convention oh yeah i got a tattoo convention you're coming right you're gonna tell yes, your wife, are you gonna be there are you gonna do podcasting what's going on i don't know should i show up and try and podcast I, usually at the on the shows i um i just tattoo and you know what i mean just hang out and t- there's so much going on yeah well, we i, I talk really about enjoy later. it we can talk about I, later what you want to do but i definitely want you there that's for sure oh yeah we're we're coming Awesome. When is it? Let's 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 hit up the website and uh, drop some dates and that kind of good stuff, eh? Yeah, so it's richmondtattooconvention.com and it's it's uh, October 20th through the 22nd here in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, yeah, this is the 29th annual. Uh, so this convention's been this particular convention's been going on for 29 years. Almost um, as old as you are. Almost. <laughs> Uh, but the crazy thing is, is this convention, there's been a convention in Richmond uh, every year since 1988. So this is the 35th really? year that this convention has been, uh, the A convention has been thrown in Richmond. So it's one of the oldest like annual running. And there's, I've seen old videos and it's like Lyle Tuttle and Gil Monty and Paul Rogers and um, oh, wow. a bunch of just really old timers, Sailor Moses. All time. Where do you see these videos? If you go on the Sailor uh, Moses too, he's not YouTube, with us anymore. What's that? Okay, yeah, I was just saying, yeah, Sailor Moses. I mean, he ran the show down in uh Mississippi, wasn't it? I don't know. As well, I don't know. I, you know, I, 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 I like to think that I'm pretty good at the history of tattooing, but obviously not that angle. So I think he started. He was in it with some of the magazines earlier, with a guy that switched over from doing porn, shooting porn as a photographer called billy naylor oh i feel like i've heard that before where does that where did i hear that before what would you say oh god okay C- candy why are you in here so much today i must be really fucking up <laughs> she, she's oh i'm three hours into this that's why oh, and i love talking with you brother yeah, it's same. obvious by by me talking so long about so much stupid shit Yo, um, chop out all the bullshit we, we got some good content here one more time I said, chop out all the bullshit. We got good content here. Yes. Uh, so October 20th, you say? October 20th right? through the 22nd. Um, okay. And then we've got, uh, let's see, we got Ryan Ashley will be there. We've got, I'm um, sure Josh Payne will be there. Um, I hope she don't listen to my podcast because I just, they asked me if there was an ink master I would want to punch. And after we assured that it was only metaphorically, I said it would only be Ryan Ashley. <laughs> and not be, I, I I know that she is a sweet individual. I've met her and I've found her to be a lovely person. I have no doubt about her integrity or honor. Um, I know that she is an amazing tattoo artist and far better than myself. Not that that makes me like her anymore. Um, <laughs> but then I but it, I feel like the, it's like a Taylor Swift song at this point that they just keep shoving down your throat. Uh, I also know that she has like lone wolf eyes and that is a very awesome and alluring thing to put on a billboard so maybe that's why i just feel like ink master is putting it down my throat all the time they're like 
Yeah. Hey, is there a way that we could have Ryan involved with this? She's just she's a she's a she's a fucking full package, man. She's a great person, great artist, smart. I mean, she can't, she taught a class at mm-hmm. uh, at one of my conventions, and it was like the stuff she was bringing up. I was like, wow, that's some shit I hadn't heard before. It was very, uh, you know, just I, I don't know. She she just got astute. a lot. Of, yeah, astute. Like it was just like she was talking about creating. Um, well, I don't want to get into that. It's too too detailed but anyway she was bringing up a lot of really great points and you know it's it's hard to to deny that man and you know i think nope. uh i think having her at the convention is is a great thing on a bunch of different angles man and she's well just- i also happen to know that they wouldn't keep giving her to us if we didn't want her so well, go that roll <laughs> right back to the fucking cnn and the fox news right yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> So and and I've I've heard that it is being picked up for fifteenth season, so that's a good yeah. sign that, yeah. that this is is working. And but she's going to be at the show then. She going to be giving a class again? No, no classes. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to do the academy this year. We this uh this last year was crazy, dude. Like it was so hard to pick the tattoo convention back up because all the people who uh, were helping me before, um, because we were off for two years. Some of them had moved away. Some of them had moved into different positions within my business where like, you know, I had uh, one of my, my assistant ended up eventually becoming a tattoo artist. So she was helping out with a lot. So there's a lot of things that I had to pick up. And then uh, I don't know if I told you this before, but my, my partner from the convention ended up dying in a motorcycle accident, like a month before the convention. So it was just a lot of like, a lot of hits right before the convention, a lot of like just relearning how to do everything. Cause it had been so long. And so last year was just like trying to get up on our feet. And then this year, uh, my goal is just to throw the best freaking convention I can throw. And then we'll start adding back on uh, the academy academies and stuff. stuff afterwards. Yeah. There'll be seminars though, then, or, or I don't, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, like I don't fully control the, the, the way that this convention ends up moving. Some of it has to do with the people that come. Some people right. are like, Hey, I'm coming. I got this really cool seminar. I'd like to do, do you have a room that I can do it in? And I say, sure. You know, or it, it just, it's, it, it's, it's interesting. Cause I don't sit there and say, this is the way the convention is going. Everybody fit in or get the fuck out. It's like, I'm throwing a convention. I'm inviting the people I want to see there. And, and then they start bringing up ideas and, and stuff that they think would make it better or things that they would like to do. And I'm like, shit, that's a great idea. Let's do it. You know? Well, I'll be bringing my, my seminar there then, uh, of how to get on TV. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've failed enough at it that I know how now I think, you know, how long, not, not how that, that I can tell you how to, how long is it? Yeah. It's like, it's like three minutes. You know me though. I can stretch it. <laughs> you know what you need to do? You need to do one of those like uh louder with Crowder situations, like where you set up a table and like, you know, interview people, you know, right there on the spot. Oh shit. What? I haven't heard of louder with Crowder. Oh, check them out, man. It's a, uh, you know, I don't, I don't particularly think the dude's great or anything, but it is entertaining <laughs> to watch. Right. But, uh, yeah, right on. Well, maybe, the maybe I'll, the, the we'll take stuff. Sunday off. No tattoo on Sunday, and we'll just be interviewing people in the booth. I'll set you up also if you want. I can set you up with a room and you can do, you know, interviews. Oh, there. now you're making it real. Whatever. Like, that, that would make audio possible. 
you know, whatever right you feel now, like you got to do, man. I want to, I want to make it, I, I want this convention to be a place where, you know, all artists can, can flourish and do things that are different than you would get at a normal convention, you know? Awesome. Well, then I'll, I'll do a seminar called the benefits of podcasting and, and trying to still stay relevant inside of the media of Ink Master Realm. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, the other but, thing too is you. There'll be a shit ton of ink masters there. You can line all them up for podcasts while you're there too. Oh yes, and maybe they can sign my book. I've got <laughs> a a coloring book that I oh, shit. eBay eventually for thousands and thousands of dollars. Not true. I, I'm going to hold it under myself. Perfect. But yeah, I got a little coloring book. I'm trying to get everybody to sign, mostly from season three and four, I guess. But, hey, well then I, I won't sign it. But um, <laughs> we'll make an addendum. Be like, yeah. hey, do me, uh, I'll just buy one of your uh, prints. I'll copy just do it. a little sketch on the inside cover and then sign that. Dude, dude, don't <laughs> don't make promises now. You know how much it's going to go on eBay now? Oh, shit. I'm going to start the bidding right now. Anybody listening, what's your bid? What's your bid? <laughs> Making money. Um, Absolutely, man. I can't wait to see you. I'm looking forward to it. It's fun to do shows that aren't villain arts as much as i love them but fucking yeah. it's fun to do these awesome awesome shows that are crafted by artists that you, you know what i mean you put one year into it you know you know exactly what i mean oh for sure is uh that's what you do <laughs> yeah i mean there's a huge difference between a villain art show and and like you know at hell city or something like that and i think both of them have their their purpose in our industry and both of them mm -hmm. bring certain things to the table and I think uh, you can like like one without despising the other and vice versa. Oh, yeah. Do you see your show as we mentioned Hell City when we talk about, especially when we talk about artist-driven shows? Yeah. Do you find like, like it's a virtual playland of, of artists, of, of geekdom, right? Do, do yeah. you see your show as that? I mean, I, Derb is, you know, I, I talk to Derb often. Derb's uh, definitely a massive uh, inspiration when it comes to my, my show. When I first started throwing my show, I reached out to him. He was a massive help. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say if there's a show that I was striving to compete with, uh, that would be the show, you know? I mean, they, to me, that is, that's, it's, it's not, it's just more intimate. It's like the, you is know. Is that what you're saying? You're knocking Derb off his ladder then? What? That's what that's what our aim is then to knock Derb off his ladder. Is no that way, <laughs> no way. Definitely. Come on, man. I'm running a podcast here. I need to stir up some drama. Oh, yeah. you know, Fuck that guy, one man. thing from Fuck Ink you. Master. <laughs> Have you heard my podcast with him? Uh yeah, I actually did listen to that. I listened to your one with um with Troy. you want to talk some shit or did I edit all that, that he was talking about you? I probably edited it out. Oh, but yeah, you might want to go ahead and open it up. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> I don't remember hearing him talk any shit. I don't think my name came up. I remember no. correctly. So, no, um, I, I, for a while there, I was trying to ask everybody about NFTs though, and that would usually bring your name up. I oh, should yeah, probably get yeah. back into it. Yeah, like, man. And, and after Sam Bankman Fried is convicted, are you going to get back into NFTs, sir? Dude, I'm I'm in it. I'm still in it. Matter of fact, uh, this was another thing. I'm going to be um, uh, there's going to be a substantial amount of NFT projects uh, at the tattoo convention of artists ran uh nft projects so i, I think like a it. lot of the nft projects that are people are sour about are all like they call them rug pulls so essentially they're just these fucking turds who start up a project they hire some artist on fiverr 
to do their mm-hmm. art and then they they run a you know some sort of like weird business behind it yeah um, so i you know i'm i'm supporting people like frank lanatra and hobby nice. tattoo theory uh even um joey hamilton has a project uh, what is his again it's like hot bods or something it's a bunch of <laughs> tattoo homoerotic uh <laughs> sticker images of of him looking sexy <laughs> no tattoo with like rock and roll and guitars and shit tattoo bones tattoo and tattoo betties um okay. nick baxter has a project uh adrian dominic oh, has a pod project i mean so there's a lot of like you know those there, are that's you can have any education there of of that whole realm too i mean obviously there'll be you can learn just because those people will be there they'll be happy to talk about their products but i think so yeah i mean they yeah for sure i mean i want i i like the juxtaposition. I mean, I, I remember Dan Hazleton. You know Dan Hazleton? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know him. I'm well familiar with his work. So Dan and I have been friends for a long time, and we've, we've done lots of digital collaborations back before, back before iPads. So he was doing digital mm-hmm. art before a lot of people were, and so he came to my convention, and and he's he paints for this little section at the convention I call the Live Art for Charity. So basically, awesome. it's like we're a bunch of artists are painting these four foot by four foot canvases and then we auction them off at the end art fusion style or they're doing one-offs one one artist well so so dan hazelton brings jason voigt as well and those two collaborate on their canvas Um, but most of the artists it's it's one one off but i mean if they wanted to collaborate i wouldn't stop them but anyways uh the reason why i was saying this is so dan is like he was always had his pulse on digital art and all that stuff but he hasn't gotten into NFTs at, at any capacity. And uh, so it was funny because we were at the convention and I had these two really famous NFT projects, artists there, and they were painting right next to him. And by the end of the convention, it's like we were all in this room and the NFT guys were like, dude, you got to do this. And then Dan starts asking these questions. And it was, it was very interesting to to watch these two worlds collide because, you know, most yeah. of the, the tattoo convention it's all tattoo artists. Well, I had like, you know, I probably, I think I had like seven or eight NFT projects there. And then I had a bunch of fine artists outside. Like, uh, you ever heard of OG Abel? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I he thought was he was out- a tattoo artist as well though. No, no, he's not a tattoo artist, but a lot of people tattoo his work. Isn't um, his work uh digital as well? Yeah, he does digital. Yeah. I mean, okay. I would say, but he does pencil as well. Um, okay. He does it, you know, he did an awesome piece outside. But anyways, you get people like OG Abel, Esau Andrews, um, just some really amazing artists painting in the back. So you got these great artists painting in the back. Then you've got these NFT artists back there. And then you've got, you know, Dan Hazleton, who's a tattoo artist. And it, it's just, I love the, the, yeah, I don't know, is this the right word? The amalgamation, amalgamation. Yeah. Yeah. All these different artists in one place and just trying to like grab like, you know, because I just love art and I want to. Create- it creates a real um, energy for the weekend. I got to figure too. Yeah. And you just, you know, how many tattoo conventions you've been to where you see the same artists over and over, or even if you do see an artist that you haven't met before, that's a great tattoo artist, it's cool and all, but just being able to like talk to one of your favorite artists who's like maybe works for Pixar or, you know, something like that. Uh, like, yeah. uh, Eva, uh, Eva Nova, um, I can't, I can't remember how to pronounce her name, but anyways, she came a couple of years back and taught a class. Uh, we got this guy named, Gary. where was she from? She's from, uh, she lives in California, I believe. 
Um, but I think originally she's from like the Eastern blockish. Well, what was she doing the work for? I guess that we would know her, her work from seemed like you were showcasing. She worked on, she worked on Incredibles. Uh, the okay. Show. Yeah. Incredibles. Um, and she was Pixar like, then, yeah, yeah. Pixar. So she was, she was very, very talented. So, um, but yeah, just getting all these different artists here and, and, and trying to like, you know, find a good juxtaposition between all these different uh you know talents and stuff uh, did you ask her how she felt about the rule 38 and her creations <laughs> no what is that okay that's it if it exists there will be porn of it what <laughs> that, that, i thought that was rule 38 maybe it's 34 or something oh so you're saying there's porn of the incredibles yeah yeah, that's why I was wondering if I if what what her opinions would be. Or it would be the question I would be burning to ask the whole time I was sitting through a very um astute, a very good lecture on art and stuff. I'd be like, oh, I can't wait till it opens up. Yeah, I don't think you would uh, I don't think you'd feel comfortable asking her that question. No, I've got a real dumb question. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. It depends on the room, doesn't it? You're probably right. Everybody's all like, oh, wow, that you was know. very informative. Certain What's people. your opinion on Rule 38? I mean, why even create? <laughs> because it's just going to be turned porn, man. Can't yeah, be happy think- about that. She was, she was super sweet. Her boyfriend's actually, or her husband is actually a tattoo artist. So, um, oh, wow. So that was kind of like when I, when I approached her about coming out, it was, it was a, not a, a difficult jump for her. What did was she write down with the creation of it? Was she a cell animator? Oh, she well, I, I'm pretty sure she was like one of the though. So I don't they don't do cells, I don't think, in the CGI, right. do they? I'm honestly yeah, I, I think that. she was one of the ones who made the characters and made or made them move. She probably wasn't the concept artist, but she was probably okay. one of the ones that like made them move. Cause she was talking about how she would like record herself doing some of these scenes so that she could see how her body moved in those scenarios and how her face would look right. if she was angry and, and she's, you know, whatever. So, um, but yeah, maybe she was a rigger. I don't know. Like I, I'm not totally sure to be honest. It was probably shit. That was probably six, seven years ago. Awesome though to have, I mean, cause I think that's a movie. Most people, why I watched it, I think I've watched all. Uh, that the incredible say they got like three of them, not wrong. Uh, it keeps on lasting throughout, uh, you know, because my kids were of that age to watch that. Uh, the first one, and then my my uh, my boy, my 14, 16 year old now, 15 year old, god damn, <laughs> get it right, Kyle. He was of the age to watch like two. I got a granddaughter now. I feel like I've watched three. I don't even know if there is three, you know. Never mind. Who cares? I'm saying that that's it's an integral part of people's topic, lives, though. Well, with Pixar, topic. it's kind of um, it's kind of exciting to have that level of artist involved with your art weekend. Yeah, yeah, man. Probably I'm you got to... got bigger names and stuff that and things that people would be more impressed by. But to me, that's really ubiquitous because everybody, you know, is seeing that show. Don't they got rides of it at fucking Universal and shit? It's a yeah, part of your life. Been there in a while. But yeah, I mean, that's the goal, man. I want to get creatives of all different genres and 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 into this convention. I mean, I've been 
digging around in the video game world a lot lately. So I want to get some of that, uh, some video game people in there and just trying to get some of the best artists in the world to meet up here in Richmond. Um, you know, obviously tattooing will always be the, the core of this convention, but being able to like sprinkle in a bunch of, you know, animators and uh, video game artists and graffiti artists and comic book artists and just everyone. I think that would be awesome. Love it. Um, and then I got this where you get a chance to put me in the hot seat. Okay. Uh, not that I don't already put myself there throughout the whole conversation, but any question that you would have to ask me, brother? Um, I don't know. I guess that last time we, we, I think we talked a lot. The funny thing is, is I listened to all your other podcasts. So I feel like I already have all the answers to a lot of the questions. <laughs> You're like, I know you Kyle, you know how like that feels almost uncomfortable, <laughs> especially when not, not just you, because but that feels kind of uncomfortable because you're like a hero and, uh, and your opinion matters to me. And sometimes I would rather that you just like, yeah, but you don't need to know how I think, <laughs> but even meeting people like in an elevator, like, dude, yeah, I listen to your podcast. You're like, that cool, oh, fuck. That's awesome. I don't know. I mean, it's dude, cool. You, and then it's you've also already like, done it. You've already done it. You were on TV. I knew I knew your personality before you started your podcast, just based off of your you being on TV. Granted, I know it's not a, a one-to-one, but you get right. the basic gist of someone's personality by watching them on TV, you know? Well, now I know that I often talk about things that people will already have perceptions strongly about or beliefs strongly about. And so if they've seen it and they say, yeah, listen, and they give a smile, then it's one thing. Sometimes people will give me a, a look. They're like, I heard your podcast. You know, yeah, I was like, actually, <laughs> the funny thing is I was listening to your podcast uh, and my girl was in the car and I, I think I told you my girl's Peruvian. So mm -hmm. yep. you know, she is a well, person, she's a person of color. And there was one podcast where you were, uh, you know, I, I, I think you were talking uh -oh. about made rich. Was that who you were talking with? Okay. You guys were like talking about, you know, a white privilege or I can't remember what you were talking about, but I remember my girls like in her mind, she's like, oh, my God, another white person talking about white privilege. So <laughs> I was like, like, babe, get out of here. Well, yeah. I hope I didn't do too horribly bad. Yeah. Um, And she CJ is coming on. And and that was an interesting one with white privilege, too, because as I seem to have a desire to understand it and not, I don't desire to say that there isn't this, you know, and I grew up poor. So many people um, use their poor upbringing as, uh, you know, like a proof that there is no white privilege or something. Exactly. But I, I don't know. I, I, it's not, I, that doesn't mean that to me. I, I mean, like my, the fact that I, have legs makes me more privileged than a person that's handicapped is if sure. I see it. And if, if I instead choose to look at privilege in this case is more a starting point on a race, then I think I have a better understanding than it. The idea that if it exists, you are personally a wrong person now because of the privilege that you enjoyed and you should somehow give up that privilege because it's not right. You know what I mean? Or in fairness. Which is not, yeah. I don't think, what any case is. Well, I, I have to reckon. 
here's the thing. Like I, I talked to my, my friend who works here, who's leans to the right. And we've had this discussion and he doesn't really believe in white privilege, from, you know, and he says the same thing that everybody else says is like, well, I didn't grow up privileged. And it's like, and I always tell him like, look, our, our grandparents were allowed to go to school. <laughs> you know, like, can right. you imagine being in a country where your grandparents weren't allowed to go to school and, and be educated, you know, the same way that another race was. You put that so much better than so many long arguments I've tried to have of say, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Yes. Yeah. So if if your grandparents weren't allowed to get educated and then those grandparents raised your parents and your parents were not educated as well because of the fact that their parents weren't educated, Mm -hmm. you you know, and even if you took it outside of that, if you are a white person in Africa, do you think you're at an advantage or a disadvantage? And, you know, essentially we are the majority. So anyone who is here is going to be underprivileged, you know, or, or at a disadvantage because they're not part of the minority or the majority. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do follow. I, I mean, I, I strive to follow. I don't. And I also just, uh, I think a lot of the recoiling that several people will have of white people will have for it is an imagination that there is um, a needed recourse other than just acknowledgement of that. I think think most people that the first step, and it's just like the whole thing with the black lives matter thing. It's like, really, when someone says black lives matter, they're, they're saying, Hey, you know, this is a, this is a pain that we're going through. We need acknowledgement for this. Mm-hmm. And then someone says all lives matter. And it's like, you're just not the exact opposite of what I need. And I th- also think that saying white, it's the same thing with the, what I was talking about with the branding. It's like black lives matter is horrible branding. If you said support black lives, I think people would be able to get on board. And the same thing with white privilege. If you said black disadvantage or POC disadvantage, I think people could get on board with that easier than someone a, a quote unquote accusing them of having white privilege. And yeah. so it's automatic that people get defensive when they hear that, um, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I think that we can all probably agree that if your grandparents weren't allowed to get educated, that they, that that particular race would be at a disadvantage. I've, I've used, and I try to see things more on a scale of of grays i guess as you point out but more on scales of severity or importance in my life like how much they might matter and and instead of seeing things as where it's like well white privilege either yes or no you follow me um and i do see a certain amount of white privilege in that in my whole life i have never had the contemplation that the single most uh needed resource that i have the dollar bill has somebody that once enslaved several and then wrote legislation and and amendments to keep my people as slaves in line with their political needs, their economical needs, actually. Sure. And, I mean, and yeah. that very racism is there on my dollar bill. And I, as a white person, never had to contemplate that. And I don't know that it should hold anybody back in a large amount. Yeah. But I've never had to contemplate it becomes an idea of the privilege that I might have. It's not right. great. It's I mean, not great like a huge um, a number, you know, Yeah, but there, it, it exists. Know, anyone who comes to this country who, who you know, isn't white is playing the game of the people who built the country in the first place, which is 
white people, right? So they're going to be at a disadvantage uh, initially, at least. And, you know, hopefully that'll start balancing out uh, as time goes on and there'll be less, uh, less distance. It does. I think that's a necessity, right? Like it, we've already seen that that has happened in the case of slaves. Um, I don't know that we're to the point where we can say there is no longer white privilege, uh, but I also don't know that there isn't a, a, a case that could be made for a black privilege in that uh, maybe just being black in your appearance or your um, that you might be sought out for more roles in sports. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I, of course, and I'm sure because of the generation that you and I grew up with, you know, I, I was, I loved black culture uh, and I still do. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was growing up, I was, I only listened to rap music and I was all about NWA and all that stuff. So I, you know, I was always wearing like, you know, the, the big baggy jeans and, and, you know, the color I watched, you know, all the, all those gangster movies. Like I loved all yeah. that. Um, it so, becomes uh, your culture as you grow on it. Right. And, yeah. I mean, obviously I didn't live that, that culture, but I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed being, I enjoyed the, all those things. So, you know, and I'm sure because of that, you know, when, when you have, people from that culture accusing you of being outside of that culture it it definitely feels a bit uh abstract you know because that is a culture that you really enjoy admire like and would like to be accepted by sure yeah exactly but you feel like and you feel possibly that your uh, lack of acceptance inside of that culture is based upon your color at which point you then begin to realize that is racism and racism being enacted against you and as you begin to want to be mad about it you recognize that that is actually also the racism that was caused against them that might have started a thought and that they are actually by enacting the exact same racism towards you they are giving you the path to acceptance but unfortunately it's not today you have to actually be treated racistly first i don't know if that's any any i feel like i'm in i'm in like a verbal inception (laughs) (laughs) good that's what i was beginning to see in it is like first off as i would say to uh here he goes a white person talking about the n-word as I would say about the N-word, I'm sorry. Um, but that if the act of me not being able to say, or the, the cause of me not being able to utter the word is because of the color of my skin, then that would be racist in its in its design. That is racist. Um, and if somebody else has the privilege to utter it because of the color of their skin, again, the same. Uh I'm not. I'm not saying I want to say it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, know, I'm, I'm just like pointing that, out the battle that, that's not even worth fighting. To be honest, like I think that it's not something that you know. I I understand your thought process, but I think in the grand scheme of things, who cares? You know, yes, respect people and not say what they don't want us to say, and that you know that curves across a bunch of different things. You know, people want to be called this, that, or whatever. 
Well, inside of the racism, maybe I'm overlooking or what I perceive as a racism against me in the worst kind because it's against a white person. Now, I'm sorry, I'm talking facetiously. But if I then perceive it that way, then maybe I'm actually being given a gift in a chance to experience a, a, a similar amount of racism. And only through actually experiencing that and limiting myself to a freedom that I might think that I should be otherwise entitled then maybe I'm actually going to have more um, understanding for, I don't know. I'm kind of stretching. dude. No, but I mean, I agree with you. It's like, you know, I've, my dad was in the military, so I grew up all over the world and I found myself in a lot of positions where I was the minority, not, not Mm -hmm. uh, by race, but also language or culture or whatever it might be. And, you know, you, you, you get treated a certain way when you are a minority um, just because you're different. And, you know, and so when you've been treated that way uh, you know, it's a little easier to have for you to have empathy towards other people that are being treated that way as well. Yeah. I think uh, my own growing up poor, I think that you find empathy for for other races through through the because they're of the similarity that you have of your economic status your status because there's a lot of similarities to that in judgments that get put on you when you walk into a kmart and go straight to the blue light section <laughs> with with holes in your shoes or you know or you have patches sewn on your clothing or whatnot or they're hand-me-downs these are similar things not as evident and i'm not trying to play them up as the same value yeah, but they I think they can give you a certain amount of empathy. And unfortunately, from that empathy, we can imagine then that we don't have any privilege assigned to us simply because of our uh, our skin color. Well, anyways, what I'm, I'm getting really stupid with this. And Candy already told me it was dumb a long time ago. She says, talk about the Richmond Tattoo Convention, Kyle. <laughs> it's it's far better. Um, going to be canceled now because we've been talking about race and all this shit so well i haven't hated that i do get flagged a lot like there's a lot of my uh, podcasts that have little flags by them and i don't know if that will change if i try to get monetized (laughs) that might then i might be like oh fuck you know dude like I, i think that that's another thing that's really not um taken into consideration across the board is the intention behind the communication if you were, mm-hmm. I mean, shit, how many times have you heard like an old person say something that just is not tolerated anymore? I mean, I remember my mom used to Very say recently. Yeah, that, <laughs> Very that oriental, recently. My mom would be like that Oriental person. I'm like, ma, you can't say <laughs> that. And she had no negative intention behind it. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, but it, it, I think that that's what it needs to come down to. And I think if you're clearly communicating what you're communicating and your intentions are pure, then I think you'll be fine. You know, people are going to be upset or whatever, but I think most people will be able to read through that, that. Yes. The way that well, I think there, are we coming there then? Are we getting to a point? This is stupid. I'm getting off point, but whatever, I'm going to do it. Are we coming there to where people are being conscious of the many biases that they are subjected to, or they are influencing them throughout their daily life. And so they're being a bit more calculating in their determinations instead of just making a knee-jerk reaction based off their perceptions and beliefs about any situation they are actually taking in more and uh and more slow to react 
I hope so. I mean, I, I you know, I, I know if you look on the internet, you see, you don't see that. You see a bunch of people just reacting and being loud and putting shitty comments and uh, people's posts and stuff like that. But, you know, I think that there's a shit ton more people out there that aren't doing it. We just don't notice them. It's like the bad comment amongst the hundred good comments. Which one do you notice? You notice the bad one, right? So I, I think fortunately, yeah, unfortunately. What was your worst comment? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you remember it? Does it stick in your craw still? No, I don't remember. I mean, it's, I'm trying to think which I feel like it's like on the tip of my tongue. Um, I do remember somebody. I thought this was hilarious. I, somebody I posted May the 4th be with you on uh -huh. May the 4th. And someone got mad at me for for making fun of people with lisps. <laughs> And I was just oh like, my god, you gotta be kidding me, man. And I was like, they've got to be trying to troll me or something. I just, I, I just couldn't, I had to laugh. <laughs> I was, thought it was so crazy, <laughs> right? Uh, the one that still sticks to that I, I think I gave up on reading comments or having an opinion one way or the other on most. Um, except I do on my podcast now, but uh, was someone said cover up, meh. <laughs> 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 that's awesome that's what we should yeah. do that's what you should do before these podcasts is read those comments like if you go <laughs> around and and found like negative comments about the artist you're interviewing and just said them to them oh you're a genius why don't you do podcasts listen yeah. you got whole segments you got segments you know you're going to come with some with some praise and worship section in the beginning or what do you call that an intro yeah yep you I was thinking about doing a podcast with my with my right wing friend, um, just because I think that he, I think he's very smart and I think he has a lot mm -hmm. of good perspectives. I don't agree with most of them, but I think between the two of us, I think people will be able to find a little bit of a little bit of of uh, they'll be able to like relate to a little bit of both of us. And I, I think, think I see. It would be nice right now to have to see people with differing opinions still enjoying uh, a relationship. You know, I mean, not, not like, Oh my God, I can't stand this motherfucker. Yeah, dude, it would be great. I mean, I'd love to see, you know, fucking, I don't know if you, if you got Tucker Carlson to talk to Rachel Maddow or whatever. And Oh my God. I know you can't even. Oh my God. I, I would watch that so much. I'm salivating <laughs> or, about the fireworks even now. Yeah, oh, or, and give them give them their own fucking uh, their their teams too, their research teams. Oh Let goodness. them come with their full power, you know, all their minions. Battle yeah, for our like, pleasure. Oh, that's make it happen. That one, you'd see the teleprompter for the other one because I mean, I, I you know, <laughs> obviously not like going off the cuff of their brains with this, you know, right? A bunch of teleprompter shit going on, but yeah, man, it would be good to have more people. And I think that's probably why Joe Rogan's show is so successful because he will have people on there that he completely disagrees with, but he's interested in hearing their perspective. And right. he goes in all directions, you know, he'll have someone that's pretty heavy left on there. He'll have someone that's pretty heavy right on there. And he listens to them, you know, and, and you get to see these people three hours in for who they actually are instead of who you think they are off of a, you know, 10 second clip that was showed on, shown on the news. So Andrew Tate's probably next. <laughs> yeah i don't know about that guy um <laughs> i don't know much about him but i did see him beat uh pierce morgan at a chess a quick chess game and i, I thought that was interesting yeah 
<laughs> interesting. And I've, that. I've heard that he's a, a well, I don't know. Yes, exactly. Dude, I don't have enough mental energy to invest in that. I guy. mentioned Andrew Tate, which I think proves that I've stayed too long and said far too much. <laughs> Nothing left in this gas tank. Uh, thanks so much for being a part of it. And when you guys have your podcast, have my left-leaning ass on there occasionally to put me in my place. Your boy would love it. Hey, dude, that would be great. I'd love it, but I, don't, I just don't think I'm going to do one. But uh, maybe we'll <laughs> maybe you should get both of us to come on your podcast. All right, yeah, just we'll call it uh, starting some shit. Starting some shit or squashing. What, what, what's your? Well, we got to ask him first. Maybe you don't, but yeah, starting some shit with Jesse Smith and blank. And blank, yeah, I keep him in blank because he was he. <laughs> He knows that he's an outcast with his thought processes. That's for sure. He's like, yeah, don't dox me. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Where do we hit you up? Loose screw tattoo for everything, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, if you can Google search Jesse Smith tattoos, you could probably find anything you need to find about me personally. Then I have my shop that is loose screw tattoo. So it's loose screw tattoo.com tattoo conventions, Richmond tattoo convention.com. I uh, have an ink organizational system. It's called methodtattoosystem.com. Um, I've got my mm-hmm. NFT stuff is under carcaeus.com, uh, which is very Spell that for us, well. please. <laughs> <laughs> C-A-R-K-A-Y-O-U-S.com. And, you know, basically that's a fictitious continent that I created where all my tattoos and art and all that stuff live. And then also my all my NFT projects live there as well. And um, I was completely under the opinion that I had figured out the spelling and I, I've just been corrected yet again. Yeah, it's not an easy, <laughs> it's horrible marketing on my point, my part. But, uh, well, but, but yeah. that's kind of the whole part because it's not supposed to be easy to find. Yeah, I mean, this one's, you know, this is like a, a passion project. It's not really, you know, I'm not, I'm not. Well, you, I, you, you're, you're hiding, you know, it's a hidden world inside yeah, of our world. world. I'm just trying so to have fun if it was spelled too easy, it. you could find it. You'd be labeled on the map too clearly. I'm sure when it gets picked up by by Disney, they're gonna make me change the name to like Treasure Island or some shit. <laughs> Something much more generic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. There I got that franchise going. It's not gonna be Treasure Island, but I follow oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They'll come up with something. Let's just something. make the spelling much more obvious. Scary Island. <laughs> scary island full of fish and mutants yeah right. brother love you thanks for being on again yeah man thanks for having thanks me. for building the fire for me <laughs> for sure and uh yeah awesome thank you until we'll see you on the next eye. one i will she's right here laughing at it <laughs> All right, buddy. take care man later <laughs>